today's very special episode of the BS Podcast on the Ringer Podcast Network is brought to you by DAZN. Stream over 100 fight nights a year, featuring the biggest names in boxing and MMA without the pain of pay-per-view. Fighters like Canelo, Triple G, Daniel Jacobs, Anthony Joshua, all kinds of good people, plus behind-the-scenes content leading up to fight night, library of classic fights, original programming. It's available on almost any device. Download the DAZN app on your smart TVs, tablets, mobile, gaming console. What are you, a smart TV guy, Rosillo? Yeah, maybe. Okay. Uh, you also get access to the brand new MLB Live Whip Round Show, Change Up, featuring Rosillo's friend, Adnan Verk. All right. Yeah. Getting set up with DAZN is easy. Just download the DAZN app in the Apple or Android App Store. Sign up by creating an account. Start watching across nearly any of your devices. D-A-Z-N. Check it out. We're also brought to you by Bud Light. Did you know not all alcohol products are required to list their ingredients? That was news to me. Bud Light changing the game. They believe we deserve to know our beer's ingredients, so they put an ingredients label right on their packaging. We should have put an ingredients label on for this podcast because um, some people are going to be uh, attacked, uh, promoted, yeah, semi-slandered. Not, not, yeah, I mean, negative to start feels bad. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Bud Light brewed with hops, barley, water, and rice. No corn syrup, no preservatives. No, no corn syrup? Flavor. No corn syrup. No artificial flavors. Find out what ingredients are in your beer. Bud Light. Enjoy responsibly. We're also brought to you by TheRinger.com, the world's greatest website where nobody is better at Game of Thrones than us. Nobody. Not not one media entity. We own it. It's our corner. It's a lot. We have done the best uh, high-end written content. We have the best podcast, Binge Mode, which comes back. Um, and you can listen to their preview this week, Mallory and Jason. We did 25 best Game of Thrones moments Thrones moments ever with Mallory and Jason. That's on our Twitter thing. Plus, uh, explainer videos and talk to Thrones Sunday night. Um, right after Game of Thrones, the first episode, go to at Ringer uh, or hashtag Talk to Thrones on Twitter. And if you miss it live, you can go back and watch it as well. Coming up, Ryan Marcillo is here. This is uh, the biggest podcast we've done all year. We have to do end of the year NBA awards. We have to talk about all the crazy crap that happened at the end of the season, some gossip we've heard, and then we're going to do playoff previews as well because the odds are basically out at this point. Uh, all that is coming up first, our friends from Project. All right. You can hear Ryan Marcillo on Dual Threat and on his ESPN podcast as well. More importantly, a hell of an actor. The agent's circling him now after his uh, dramatic appearance in NBA support group. People compared him to like a cross between Jason Statham and, uh, and I, I don't know, I'm trying to think of an analyst, an NBA analyst. Um, Zach, Lowe. Zach Lowe and Zach Lowe crossed with Jason Statham maybe? I don't know. Uh, I can feel yeah, that. Yeah. A brooding, a brooding intensity from you. Well, I wrote it, so I knew the character, so yeah. that helped. I had an advantage. I, I did have character. a co- the I, character was you love Jeff Green, <laughs> right? And d- a few people did reach out, being like, "I can't believe how good of a job you did in this. Did you actually want to act?" And I'm like, you know, look to set everybody, you know, to calm the city down here. Yeah, I'm. The, I'm. The, I don't. I'm not going to act. There's going to be no acting future for me. It wasn't a huge departure. <laughs> <laughs> Annoyed sullen yeah you know so i didn't it wasn't you know i wasn't playing dicaprio here and in, in, you know. i was trying to think who my guy would have been if i was in there 
Well, you were going to be Titus, and then you canceled, which I totally I didn't understand. Cancel. I had a thing. I yeah, had, I, I, so right, Titus right. came in and, rep- and represented Boston with a bad Boston accent. But the Titus story is hysterical because you were Kyle was going to do it, and then Kyle was like, "I'm out." I'm I don't. Be hated. He, he yeah. just he couldn't understand. He was like, "I don't. I don't know what the motivation is of this character." Yeah. So then you were in as soon as you saw the UMass jersey. And yep. then you had a thing. That's a real 1996 UMass jersey, by the way. Money Bought. Mac. Uh, what was that? Was it money a Money Mac jersey? No, was no, he no. Camby, Camby, oh, twenty one kid. Oh, Money Mac was late nineties. So then you were. Then we were like, kind of. It was a weird part. So I'm like, how are we going to do this? And then Gallagher, who's so good with this stuff, directing the whole thing, he's like, let's call Kevin Clark. Clark doesn't pick up his phone. He uh. was having lunch with Titus. Then Titus's phone rings. He picks and he it up. Picks up. Oh wow! And it's like, do you? Can you come over? And the thing is, is his Boston accent was atrocious the whole time, but but, I, but in a good way. It worked. Mm. It kind of reset the absurdity. Just in case we yeah. took ourselves too seriously in the skit, I thought Titus was kind of the low key. He was like a Dion Waiters. So my guy, my all time guy from uh, from the twenty first century is Hakeem Work. I believed in him to the bitter end. He's like playing in China. I'm still like, well, if he, if he yeah. only finds the right team, but that was my guy. The The bit was that everybody has their guy that they're just convinced they're weak at some spot. point it's going to yeah. happen. Because the Jeff Green thing for me was was true. And then I got off of it fairly early. You were vindicated because he was, they do win game seven of the conference finals and game six too, because he plays well in those two games last year at Cleveland. Yeah, that's actually that's kind of the his, Jeff his, Green vindication, which right. you mentioned in the thing. But what would happen is every time he go to a new fan base, that fan base would see like a glimpse of Jeff Green and go like when he threw down a dunk on the opposing team in the paint. I mean, hard yeah. drive from the three point line, dribble two steps, facial. Yeah, you'd go, oh my god, look at this, and he'd be like, yeah, but it's not going to happen again for three weeks, right? So remember Tommy, Tommy just couldn't figure it out, and at some points would compare him to James Worthy, like. Not ironically. Yeah. Um, like, he reminds me of James Worthy and he wasn't <laughs> kidding. And he and he kind of did remind you of James Worthy when he was playing well, but then he would have two points the next game. Tommy is always going to be supportive of the new guy, yeah. which is, you know, he had a, it was tough for him with Marcus Banks for a while when it was just like, hey, yeah, I never bought into Marcus Banks. He's not. He's you're not either a point guard or you're not. Right. I'll tell you this. The best guy for this support group gimmick coming into the draft is going to be Cam Reddish. To me, Cam Reddish is going to take everything we thought we had with Jeff Green and push it to a whole other level. Yeah, he will have kill games where he, he goes yeah. just 0 for 3 I'll be with curious. two rebounds. Yeah, it'll be really weird because Reddish is into that slot. Like I did a, a draft thing kind of looking at it and starting to figure this thing out. There's a lot of players where the warts for the lottery guys, you're just going, wait a minute, this guy's going to be lottery? This guy? No. And then you can start talking yourself out of guys. It's almost like doing college football rankings. Like yeah. Everybody bitches about the top 25. You go, have you ever sat down after watching games on Saturday and written down 25 teams in a row? Do it. Because I had to do it for two years. Yeah. And it sucks. And it's way harder. And you're like, I'm running out of teams. Well, it's, That's like, how- doing a, it's like doing a fantasy draft. Where you go, where you actually just write down all the guys you want on your team, like all the pitchers, and you're like, oh, wow, we're out of starters already. Wow. I've only listed seven guys. I just did a baseball one where I did it purposely on the West Coast to start at midnight because I figured, all right, you know, how much action can we really have here? Yeah. And it's it's one of the worst drafts I've ever had because I, I just, in the, you have it all planned out. You go, I'm going to do this. And then next thing you know, I'm like, can I get that gray kid from Colorado? <laughs> like, is he even available now? He might be my ace. So anyway. Back to the original point of the lottery stuff. When you go through this lottery for this draft, and again, we'll do more on this a lot later on, 
you can start knocking all these players you want, but you I think come up I think Reddish will. I think he'll. He's going to work out really the well. The workouts are going to be yeah. great for him, and I could see him going as high as like fourth. And people are like, "Wow, incredible athlete!" After saying, watching him in yeah. games at Duke, where you forgot he was out there. Yeah, that's my rule. If I forgot you were out there for two quarters, like I went to a game, a Minnesota, I think Laker game early in the year and Wiggins just was gone for two quarters. And then he did something. It's like, Oh, Andrew Wiggins, he's back. But he had been out there the whole time. I just, he was just kind of running up and down the court. No, it's a great rule. And it's so simple because it happens all the time. And Wiggins, Wiggins, honestly, if we ever did the support group thing again, Wiggins might be the headliner for, I think Wiggins was actually offended. He wasn't in it. (laughs) Let's, uh, we're going to do awards. We still haven't given up on him yet. We're doing awards first. Okay. I was 52-48 Giannis heading into the last couple days of the season. Um, I thought that game he had against Philly last week, he needed a game like that because I don't feel like people realize how good Giannis is because he's not on all the time. He plays in Milwaukee, and there's been so many other storylines, and it's one of those things people know he's good, but I'm not positive they know how good he is, and I'm not sure how many people have seen him in person and things like that. That Philly game he played – where not only was he the best player in the court easily, um, it was the total Giannis display. And he really took it to Ben Simmons in a way that you almost had to reevaluate. Like, wow, if Ben Simmons can't even be in the same conversation with this guy, that's really bad for Philly for the next 10 years. Not just like right now, but if if he can't go toe-to-toe with him a little, this is bad. Um, so anyway, I was 52-48. And then Harden on Tuesday night, which was the biggest moment of the season, in my opinion. They have a chance to get the two seed. They're up four. 25 seconds left. Cousin Sal House and I have a bet. Houston minus two parlayed with Harden over 35 points. He's 36. So it's like, let's just close this out and try to cover. Westbrook comes up. He's dribbling up the court. And I'm thinking, he's going to do one of these fucking terrible Westbrook threes where his feet He's kicking out his feet. He's off balance and it's a line drive and it's going to go in. You know, at half court, it's going to happen. He does it. His body's going nine different ways, just flings it in. Harden gets fouled, makes one of two, misses the free throw. OKC fucks up though, whatever. George in the corner makes it. Houston comes out of the timeout, two seconds left. Somehow gets the perfect shot for James Harden. He's made the shot 700 times this year. Uh, Top of the key, 26 footer for the game, misses it. And they go from the two seed to the four seed. And it just crystallized the MVP for me. I was like, you know what? If if I'm going to pick against Giannis in a fucking transcendent Giannis season, I kind of need Harden to win that game with, with the second seed on the line, basically. Now they're four. Now they have to play the Warriors round, round two. So now I feel good about Giannis. Your take on that. Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> I figured you'd be annoyed. <laughs> so you're going to size up this entire race, this whole season. These two guys. Yeah. Because so you had Harden as your MVP after the 61 point Saturday game. No, I had Giannis. I had Giannis. It was like 52, 48 heading into these final two days. And I was like, Harden can still win this for me, but he's got to do something. But this insane. is too much recency. It's too much recency. Here's but the I thing. already had, my I, point is I, I already had right. Giannis. I've changed my mind, not by the day, but by the hour thinking about this. Okay. Really? Because I know deep down, there's a lot of stuff with Harden that annoys me, okay? Yeah. More than anything, the way he's officiated and that it consistently is a mess. And then I'm always kind of 
I'm always anticipating that sort of wake up playoff officiating of Harden mm. where you go. And I know there's free throw stats. It'll tell you there's not that much different. I, I don't know. I, I feel like I've watched, there was a Portland series there where it's like, wait a minute, I'm not getting all these calls right. on this drive to the hoop. So I wonder, you know, if you have a team that plays against Harden so many games in a row, you know, hey, guess what? When he flicks you away with his right arm and it's never an offensive foul, like that stuff bothers me. It really bothers By me. By the way, that, okay? that's a really good point. Over the course of two weeks, it doesn't feel as weird to play Houston. It doesn't. And it does, and you're just looking at the same offense over and over and over and over again, and you're going to pick up some tricks. That's what I usually see. You know, and that's why, you know, playoff series are so great because you go, oh, wait a minute, you know, this is what they're doing. And then you see the coaches that aren't as good, and you go, okay, so you're never going to change anything. And it's like, nope, we are who we are. You're Sean like, well, McVay. Well, great. You got you out in five games. Yeah. Uh, I would pick Harden today. Really? And I oh, think good. it's, it's, I love when we disagree. It's sliver close. This is not a, you know, unfortunately what's happened is, is every time these arguments are close, people try to make their point stronger by asking, act, acting as if it isn't close. And you're like, yeah. no, no, this is insanely close. So I can't sit here and tell you that your vote for Giannis is wrong. I think your reasoning for it, emphasizing so much in the last week no, is no. ridiculous. No, I had it. I was there. I was going so to pick just Giannis. Confirmed it. Right. I needed Harden to do something crazy to make me change my mind, and he didn't. I think the thing I'm asking credit for here is I haven't even liked the Harden thing. Yeah. And I'd still vote for him because even in the moments where it was just ridiculous, like 17 threes a game and watching it and not even liking it, it yeah. was by necessity. And they had a good record during that whole time when it felt like the entire team was hurt. And I understand the usage and all these different things. I understand the minutes and the per 36, but like if Giannis is playing 31 minutes or 32, that's not Harden's fault. So even though I haven't loved the whole Harden thing from this year, I just look at the entire season and think of how he carried him. Think of how close they were to even getting to the two seed when it looked like they were totally written off this emotional hangover, then all the injuries and to see where they're at now. And they feel like they're the realest threat to the warriors in the West. They are. That's what I would do. And I'm not, I'm not even saying I love it, but I feel like I had to do it that way if I had a vote. All right, can I can I try to change your mind a little bit? I have some. You probably some can. Actually, I'm at that's like, the thing. It's because I, I have to say I went. Um, the more I looked at it, I really did some deep dive stat stuff and just thought about it a lot. And now I'm at like seventy thirty for you. Is it the defense? No, I'm going to give you a couple of things. Well, Harden's been pretty good defensively this year, um, for him. Yeah, he's, he's not a liability anymore. He's not Giannis. Um, no, so I think here's, the, the biggest he, thing with Harden is that if you get him having to chase people around, he's not going to give you crazy effort. But yeah, the post stuff is hands. So a couple of things against Harden. Um, but before I say them, I just want to mention, I think these were two of like the five or six best MVP seasons anyone's had all decade. So it's just a unique situation where there's no loser almost, where... Hard, I think Harden was is number two. It's the best number two season anyone's had all decade. Um, you could argue that this Harden season would have won the MVP in basically, I went back and looked it up. Um, so if you just go through the decade, right? Uh, LeBron wins in 2010. I think he probably wins again because those last two LeBron Cleveland seasons were ridiculous. There's no way Derrick Rose beats Harden in 2011. LeBron wins in 2012, and he should have. And I think LeBron probably wins in 13 um, on those Miami teams. KD in 2014, 
Harden probably beats him. And that was a really good KD season. But I think Harden's season was better. He definitely beats Curry in 15. What about the second Curry season? I think the second Curry season beats him. Okay. 73 wins. I don't want to interrupt you, so go. go and then Westbrook definitely beats. And this year's Harden season was better than last year's Harden season. So it, it's it's one of the best six seasons anyone's had this decade, and he's not going to win the MVP. Just though to emphasize this part of it is that this MVP vote, and I'm not saying it for you, but because it's writers and because writers like the story because they're storytellers themselves. And I'm not even anti the writer having the vote. Yeah. I think more often than not, as much as everybody likes dumping on the media part of this, like, why do you have this vote? This is too important. It's like, well, we all see what happens when players have the vote. I mean, yeah. it's, it's a joke. So the story of each season, though, it's easy to go back and just comp his stats to whatever the guy who won it that year. But the story is such a big part of this. Derrick Rose was a story. It, it was. was this, oh my gosh, so everybody gets caught up. He was up my vote that, that year. Yeah. I and actually it feels stand right. by it. Yeah, and it feels right in the year. Steph becoming this transcendent influential, uh, influential player, like that was in that moment that way. That's why I think Harden even being this close is a credit to him because of how many bad playoff stories he has. Like I thought he would never, ever win an MVP again. Like, I didn't think Steph would ever win him one again after they blew a 3-1 lead in the finals. I think writers hold that stuff against guys. And Harden has, what, like three bad playoff moments where you go, it's missing a million shots last year or last He's, playoff season. He is, his last three the San Antonio exits collapse. were bad. What about the bad. Clippers when the, they're down 20 and he's benched? He's on the bench and they come back. Yeah. So Harden has like a handful of these playoff moments. You go, okay, wait a minute, wait a minute. That's not really a guy I want to buy into again, meaning it might not be a guy I want to vote for in the MVP. And the fact that he could very well win this thing again after those exits, like that's well, that's also so the narrative hard to do. was The narrative last year was they came so close. That was it. This was, they were never going to get that close again. They give this giant Chris Paul contract. He's, you know, he's going to get hurt. And it was like, man, ah, oh, so close. But now they're back. And I think even though they're the four seed, which is a disaster for them, but um, they're still the best chance to beat Golden State. I mean, they, they already know they can beat them. They gave the series away last year with all the threes they missed. And Golden State's never been more vulnerable, which we'll get into. The, here's the other case against Harden, who, again, I think he had one of the five or six best seasons of the decade. He was there when they were eight and 14. I think that has to matter when you talk about MVP. It's not like he was hurt and came back and then put the team on his back. They cratered. He was there and he was the best guy. And I feel like that's on his resume. That's still one fourth of the season. You know, Chris Paul only missed. A couple games are hard to miss three games, but they were pretty healthy. Carmelo was in there. Like, they couldn't get the team right. But he was rescuing them from a situation that he was there for the entire time. So I think that matters. Giannis, from day one, the Bucks were the best team in the league. Um, they overachieved, I think, for what their talent was. They got number one overall, um, which they had to do. They took care of business. And he was great the whole season. It actually got better as the season went along. And... I feel like went up a level after the All-Star break. And in the All-Star game was, I think people were kind of, the All-Star game doesn't matter. Yeah, it definitely doesn't matter. But it was like, holy shit, this guy, like he's just dunking <laughs> dunking over everybody. This is like Shaq. Um, so anyway, those are the two cases against Harden. Here's the case for Giannis. Um, the in-game experience of seeing him play Rivals for me, seeing Shaq in the late 90s, seeing 
LeBron during those last two Cleveland years when it just went to another level. And it was like, oh my God, this guy's like one of the greatest athletes I've ever seen in my life. Um, Giannis is just, he's seven foot Scotty Pippen with long arms who is putting up Shaq's box scores every night with more assists. That's how I would describe him. I don't have show. a counter to that. And the thing is, I don't want to counter it because it's not you, it, it, false. That's the thing. There's no loser in this yeah. argument. But I mean, so he finishes with 28, 13, and 6. 58% shooting. If you go back, like the greatest Shaq season ever, Shaq, oh, oh in 2000, when uh, when he wins the MVP, he's 27 and 12. Three assists. 57% shooting. Worse free throw than guy than, uh, than Giannis was. David Robinson, that iconic 94 season he had, which is like this advanced metrics, wet dream center season, 30, 11 and five. Giannis basically had the same stats, 51% shooting. Now he had more steals and blocks. He had 404 stocks that year and steals plus blocks. I figured it out. Um, yeah. Um, Giannis 0.294 win shares per 48 minutes, which is like historic. That's the top like six all time. Um, per 36, 30, 14, and seven. Okay, but the per 36 half, thing is sick, but you know, doesn't that also speak to how they were able to, like look at Middleton's numbers. Like they've done a really good job limiting to everybody's minutes. And by the way, I don't want to hear at any point the Bucks got tired this year because they should never be tired. Well, and they were the in a much they, easier right, conference, right. which is the case against Giannis. And they had so many blowouts. So part of that, like this is a pro Giannis part of it where you go, okay, wait a minute. So if we had the more, I think they had the most 10 point wins or more in the league. Well, we well, also have the history of Curry had low minutes per game in at least one of those MVP seasons where he was like at 33 minutes a game. He was under 35? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm not, I don't care about that. I just think like, you know, one of the best bets you're going to be able to make in these first two rounds of the playoffs is all the overs for Giannis because he's not going to be playing 32 minutes a game. And this is somebody that's going to, in the playoffs, every game put up 30, 15, 35, 14, 34, 16, whatever. Uh, the other big case for him, I also voted for him for defensive player of the year. And that's not, one of the one I can't, I can't counter that. I can't counter. And it. not as a gimmick vote. Like, this guy can guard all 450 players in the league. Name me in the history of the league, who else could you have said that about? Kevin Garnett? Well, LeBron's switching on Derrick Rose in the playoffs a couple times. <laughs> Just want to remind How many you. players in the history of the league could guard every single player in the league successfully? Every, all of them. We're not counting Kuzma playing no small Kuzma. ball center Can't call at the beginning of the year. Can't uh, count Kuzma. Basically, it's well, Kevin Pippen, Garnett, when right? When Pippen played, but he, Pippen he wasn't big enough. Shaq. That's what I mean. I mean, when Pippen played, we had real centers, so that doesn't count. I think it's Garnett because I, I mean, when Garnett was prime Garnett, we know he could guard centers. He could also switch out on everybody's smallest player and stay in front of him, and he was insane. So I think Garnett is. And real. also, the other thing with Giannis is the fucking competitiveness night after night. Like that guy, I flip around on league pass a lot. I never saw him ever not trying hard and being totally invested and just fucking out there being Giannis. That's what I loved about the Philly game. All right. Cause we knew, cause we saw before and it was like a Saturday matinee Philly Milwaukee game. Maybe it was a sun. It was like a day game. Right. Yeah. And it was, I think when he called Simmons a baby. Right. Yeah. And that was before. This was, was like, the previous. Right. Philly and game. I was like, man. And then I'm like, okay, I it's really want to watch to him. Yeah. I want to watch how he goes at Ben Simmons again. And yes, Sixers fans, we know that Simmons is younger, but when you're the same body type in a way, 
Like when Ben Simmons, the biggest thing about you is that you're six ten and you you have this massive frame. Yeah. And Giannis looks at you like it's a company lunch game where the guy who can play is being defended by like the he's almost guy offended. That, yeah, like he you slept with my wife and yeah. I'm taking you into the post. Like that's how Giannis looks at him. And the most insane thing about that most recent game is that that's how he went in Embiid. Like yeah. he went in Embiid in a way that I don't know that I've seen any other player attack at Embiid. So so, but none and, of this is like, this is the thing. I don't really know. I don't know how you make this vote unless it's, it's a, it's that close. It really is that close. So I'm not offended by any argument for either guy. I just didn't. But like what you yours. just said is an important part of this MVP vote. He, so Philly is his biggest rival, not just for this season. In theory. Right. But for, for the decade. Right. And he really took it personally and by the end of the regular season had established dominance over that team. Where if you're a Philly fan, you're like, fuck, we have no answer for this guy. Now, they should have an answer for this guy. They have a seven foot three center and they have a six foot nine, 250 pound uh, point guard slash forward who conceivably could play four positions and should be able to handle Giannis. And Giannis demolished him. Right, so and Harris is matters. huge, and Butler's supposed to be a defensive guy, but Butler's just too. I mean, if if Simmons isn't strong enough for him, Boston Boston has no answer for him at all. They don't know what they're to do. a team thing where they're just going to try to. Like, yeah, it's, but they that worked last year. It's not going to work this year. And then Toronto, I don't know. Can Kawhi defend him? He's got forty pounds on, and that's on the other Kawhi thing. Like, what's at this def- point. What's defending him? Well, that's you know, my holding question. Him to twenty five, <laughs> you know. The thing that got scary with him this year, especially the second half of the year, was there's a sense now of during the course of the game where he's like, oh, this time I'll do this. Oh, you're going to do this? I'm doing this. Oh, you have that guy? I'm posting him up. Oh, you're putting this guy on me? Spread out. I'm going to take this guy 25 feet from the basket, top of the key. Like there's an awareness that he has now that I do not feel like he had last year. And the crazy thing about him is he still can't really shoot, you know? And it's like, there's still rooms for him to get better. So I, so the reason I picked him uh, other than all the other stuff we mentioned is I just feel like he's going to be the game's next great player. And he already is, but this is this, we're in the same spot with him that we were with LeBron at the end of the decade, where it was clearly going to become a LeBron generation. And I, Giannis, to me, has shown enough now that I feel like that's going to happen with him. I don't know if that means they're going to win the finals, but this was like his year where that happened. Do you think Durant goes to Milwaukee then? I mean, honestly, he should. How about Durant feeling like I'm about to become the number one guy? And the way, and this happens to so many different players, you start thinking, okay, I'm going to have my run, this unchallenged yeah, it's my time now. two, three-year run, and it may not be. Because he's never getting the love in Golden State, even if they win another title, he could win another NBA, NBA Finals MVP, and he's he's not going to be given the credit. Um, he's not going to get the love that he seeks. And if he goes to New York, who knows? I mean, the, the that's East another could, case for him to go to New York so he can go at Giannis, make 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 that one last run. Now Durant might be the one guy who could actually handle Giannis. He's same height. Imagine long if we arms. do get that though, Durant Giannis. It'd be amazing. That'd be amazing. Uh, the case for Harden quickly. I mean, people know it already, but there's just a couple things going on that I wanted to mention. Actually, how many minutes is this? 25. Uh, let's take a break. 
Let's talk about SeatGeek, our old friends. Getting tickets online can be far too complicated with hundreds of sites and varying levels of reliability. Hard known to trust. That's why SeatGeek is the way to go. I just went there um, two weeks ago. My whole family was in New York. My wife wanted to take my daughter to go see Mean Girls. I went on SeatGeek. I looked at their color-coded map. I bought nice dark green tickets um, that were close to the stage. And they were perfect. They were dead center. And it was an awesome SeatGeek buying experience. As usual, they're designed to make your ticket buying experience easier than ever. They search multiple ticket sites. They grade every ticket based on value. They immediately identify the best seats that fit your budget. When I bought the Mean Girls tickets, uh, SeatGeek said that was a 10 out of 10 for a purchase for the price and where the seats were. So I was like, 10 out of 10, I'm stepping in. Uh, I have the app on my phone. You should have it too. My listeners get $10 off their first SeatGeek purchase. Just download the SeatGeek app, enter promo code BS today. Promo code BS, $10 off your first SeatGeek purchase. SeatGeek, life's an event. We have the tickets. Just some stuff Harden did quickly. 36-point club, he made it. It's Wilt, Jordan, Kobe, and Harden. 36 points a game matters. Uh, broke 2,800 points for the season, which was insane. That's uh, Wilt, Jordan, Kobe, McAdoo, Kareem in 72. McAdoo. Harden, yeah, McAdoo. Love that. Underrated. Um, he created the 700-350 club. 700 made free throws, 350 made threes. He created the 1,800 club. For attempts for threes and, and uh, free throw attempts. <laughs> over a thousand threes, over 800 free throw Were attempts. Were you always waiting for this club to exist? I didn't know it was <laughs> ever going to exist. Uh, and he took over a thousand threes, which will never happen again. Finished Wait a minute, You don't think anyone's ever going to take a thousand threes? Of course, somebody's going to. I mean, when, when, when's the three point thing going to slow down? It's only going to get more ridiculous. I need to really think about this. It's hard for me to imagine anyone taking more threes than he did this season. Because you would really have to be, the whole offense would have to revolve around you like it did with him. You would have to be just this incredible ISO player and you would have to be really, really great. If Antoine Walker played today, he could do it. <laughs> he should 22%. Uh, so 36, 7, and 8. He broke 30 for PER. 11 free throws a game. <laughs> That's like, actually, to me that like, right. that's like Jason Tatum was like two point two. The free the free throw argument. I mean that's that would be my argument against him. I just feel like when everything was a mess, that team should have completely folded up. They get off to the bad start, then they have the injuries, and Yay took a million shots, and Yay I know is an ISO to the very end, but he he carried this team that looked like it was emotionally damaged. And probably should have been, and maybe was in the beginning of the year. And he got to me with a bunch kicked, of castoffs. He, I mean, when they're sitting there being like, "We finally got Daniel House back," you know, I mean, you'd be watching those games, going, "Oh my god!" Like, you know, Daryl's probably like, "Sweet, I got Kenneth Freed. Like, we we actually need him." And it was just, "Hey, Austin James, Rivers. yeah, keep us keep us going, find a way to keep us afloat." And now we're looking at them as serious challengers to Golden State. Like that's my hardened argument. It's, the it's the numbers are incredible, argument. but that's mine. And what he did when their season was was uh, was cratering, that like month long stretch where he's just like, I'm not letting this happen, was the most valuable thing anyone did all year. But he was also one of the reasons a crater in the first place. Right. So look, that I, matters from a from a bias fan. The things I root for, the things I root against, 
that we all have, and I try to keep him in check, I'd rather vote for Giannis. Yeah. I was almost there with Harden. And the more I thought about it, and then that Philly game happened, and I know that's recency bias, but there was some, some of the big picture stuff he was doing, like taking control of the conference with LeBron out. Um, the fact that he's been better in big games against the right teams, I, I think can't matters. Wait. I mean, I seriously can't wait to see him in this. Like, as great as he is, there needs to be kind of this national wake-up call thing for everybody. And him playing in the NBA Finals, if Giannis were to get there, or taking out Philly, or, you know, let's not forget about what Toronto could be. A full squad, no rest, ready to go Toronto. You know, that's not an easy out by any means, but if Giannis is going toe-to-toe with Durant and they're actually like competing with the Warriors, if it's the Warriors. I also, I love that. I just love his story. I love how hard he's worked on his game. I love that he just doesn't give a shit about anything but basketball, which I know, look, everybody's their own human being, but he's locked in in the way that I would want the next guy after LeBron to be locked in. Like, he's just like, I just want to fucking win the title. So I was thinking about this. I want to pose this to you. Okay. So remember when LeBron left the first time and yeah. went to Miami and then Durant signed his extension with Oklahoma City. And d- yeah, and made the point of the five years, did the whole thing. Right. And remember a big reason why anybody would have wanted to sign an extension back then is we had all this uncertainty about the CBA. Yeah. So a lot of people were like, hey, whatever the extensions are, just take them because we it's we're we're flying blind here. But Durant was like embraced just as the NBA world had turned on LeBron. It was like Durant gets it. it there, yeah. Oh, that was a whole narrative for a week. For a week. This guy gets yeah. it. Be like, you know who I like? I want my superstar to be like Durant. Yeah. And now we see what happens. And I remember the beginning of this Curry explosion. I remember like, it's going to be weird when people don't like Curry. People are like, what are you talking about? Who's not going to like Curry? Curry's like the most likable guy. He's a smaller player. He's humble. Like he's different. Everyone's going to love him. Well, guess what? People turned on him. I think, you know, as I've said all the time, Do I think- people turn on Curry? No, but I think Curry's I the most- Steph Curry. I love him, but I think in a weird way, he's one of the most disrespected stars in sports. Because it's kind of like, oh yeah- you, know, you shoot a bunch of threes, but you know right. when 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 your team doesn't do one of the playoffs, it's because you're hurt and all this stuff. I was like, maybe he was, but I wonder when or what step that would be because Giannis is being talked about in the way that Durant was talked about when he did his first extension, when LeBron had left, being like, that's what a superstar should be like. All you care, like when he turns down Space Jam two, people are like, man. By the way, Gian- great great move by him to do that. What that's a good thing, thing to have out there. Everybody goes, Giannis, yeah, that he guy gets, gets it. it. Yeah, that yes. guy gets it. That's what my reaction was. It's like, yeah, Giannis gets it. <laughs> okay, but does that mean he gets, like, who actually gets to be the guy who gets it his whole career? Like, it just, it doesn't work. Being in the spotlight that long, eventually it'll be. I'll you give know, you one name. Larry Joe Bird. Just got it. You just won. Just got it the whole whole career, start to finish. I'll give left at the right time. Gave his paycheck back when he couldn't play. It's the best. Larry Joe. Uh, I love Giannis. Now, when we talk about it like this, <laughs> it's not like, oh, wait to see Giannis. Anyone who actually follows basketball, sure, sure. every smart person on the internet, we know you know about Giannis. We're not saying you don't. I'm saying he hasn't gotten the point. And LeBron was at this point too for a little while. Like my, my wife has no idea how good Giannis is. My dad has seen him play in 
you know, a few times in Boston and obviously knows he's great, but hasn't, isn't a league pass day in, day out. There's a whole section of the country that isn't fully aware how good Giannis is yet, that like, this is the next guy, it's over. We thought it might be Anthony Davis last year, remember? There was that moment where it was like, oh, it might be Anthony Davis. Yeah, but you were sitting there at the end of that Portland series going, you know what, in, in all reality, like, he's the best player yeah, in the world. This guy might be yeah. better Tim Duncan. Yeah. Um, but it's Giannis, and unless he gets hurt, he's the next guy, and this is a wrap. And it's not going to be Joel Embiid. It's not going to be Anthony but Davis. But he has to always be happy in Milwaukee, Bill. He has to always be cool. Well, my it. question is, he, it doesn't matter where he plays. It didn't matter that LeBron was in Cleveland, did it? Did it really matter? Did he need, like he was in Cleveland and Miami the first 15 years of his career. No, but Did if you're matter? the number one guy, but I'm just telling you, Eric Bledsoe and Chris Middleton, if they don't, if they lose, say they lose in the, I don't know, second round. Yeah, but this broke, so, this broke okay. perfectly for them though. Right. But I'm, I'm just, what if he doesn't get out of the East, okay? And then next year, something happens. And then he starts looking around going, you know what? I don't want to be the smoothie guy who turned down Space Jam 2. I want to come up with my own thing, Universe Jam. You know, mm. like the the story has been told a Universe Jam. Times. So I'm just, you know, it, it happens. Like it, it starts to happen. Like this whole league is basically the GM position is waiting to see who the next pissed off guy is every six months. I have so, a great hot take for you, by the way. Go. Ben, you're the perfect person to give this one to. I guess you think I'm going to hate it. No, no, no. It. You're going to love it. You're going to be like, it's like, it's like when Will Kane comes out with those doozies everyone's running like, oh, great take. I love how much you love Will Kane. I like that he just will throw it out there. He'll put it on the table. All right, here's my take. Ready? Yeah. Are we sure Space Jam 2 is going to be good? What's our evidence? I've never seen What's our the evidence? first one. First of all, what sequels are good? Let's start there. What remake sequels are good? Mm, I don't know. Um, what does LeBron and Maverick and those guys know about making movies that haven't made one? There's like, we got Ryan Coogler. Well, Ryan Coogler's like a producer. He's not directing it. Um, they can't get any of the players they want in it. It's going to be compared to the old one. This is not, these guys aren't like pumping out hits left and right. Well, Caruso like Million do Dollar Mile just got moved to Saturday. It's not, it's not like these guys are like the new Walt Disney. Like, why does everybody think this movie's going to be good? I'm just asking. I think people love the first one, so I never watched it. But the I never fact saw that they love the first one is going to make it so hard for the second one to potentially even be good because they're going to be everybody's going to be like, "I love the this first one." This doesn't feel Fuck like a guys. hot take. But it, but everybody's like, "Oh, Space Jam." It's like, why? Why are we excited for this? Like, if I said, "Hey, Indiana Jones," they're they're you know, it's coming back and it's going to be with Shia LaBeouf's going to be Indiana Jones. People would be like, "Fuck that." Didn't they do that though? Maybe they did. No, yeah, they actually they did. did. Oh, they exactly. actually did. Well, people were like, "Fuck that!" I thought that one was like, actually okay. Because yeah, that right. was before Shy. Did you like that one, Kyle? It was all right, but people were like, "Fuck that!" For sure. So why aren't we doing that with Space Jam Two? I never. You're asking me as if I've been fucking pumped about it. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> I did. So I figured you would like. So, so I, I just went, "Oh, okay." Like these guys are doing something that has a brand you know, presence and they're hoping that it's going to kill it. My expectations for this are low because it's Space Jam 2. It has has nothing to do with anybody involved with it. I, I, I would say I would put it at 70-30 train wreck versus it's going to be good. And I think there's no in between. Train wreck or it actually be surprisingly good and there's no in between. Anyway, uh, let's do all <laughs> NBA. All right. I got a bug flying around in my face here. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> Um. <laughs> oh, 
<laughs> oh, uh, MVP. We just Hold did it. No, the uh, top five. I had uh, Giannis one, Harden two. Jokic three. Mm. Case for Jokic. Uh, two seed. The drop-off from Noah, him to number two guy is on his own team. Yeah, they have no other all-stars on that team. It's a bunch. It's him and a bunch of role players. I like a couple of them. Um, I don't think any... Who's the best bet to even be an all-star someday on that team other than him? Jamal Murray? Murray? Yeah, it's got to be Murray, right? Yeah. And I still like who'd, who'd be your third pick to make an all-star team on that team? I mean, do I really have to say Gary Harris Jr.? Yeah, and it's not, that's not happening. It, I think what he's done and what he means to that team and how it's built around what he does, and if you just removed him for 20 games, that team would be in trouble. So he's third. I have Lillard fourth. Over Curry. Yeah. This is MVP. This it's is not the all same, NBA. Yeah, right, but it's over. this is the Jokic argument for Lillard. He's fucking good. Damian Lillard's just good. That, oh, like I'm like not Nurkic I'm, breaks his leg. It's like it's fine. We have Damian Lillard. McCollum just misses 20 games. It's like we're good. We got Damian Lillard. That's another team that has no all-stars. Just an aside, that Portland scenario and what they tried to do running six players out there and Anthony Simons goes for 37. Hilarious. Okay. And it's like one of the last games of the last night of the season. This is hilarious. The whole last few things, and they're they're trying to tank. And then Sacramento's like, nah, we got this. We're like Zach Collins is on the bench acting like a 20-year vet cheering guys on. Yeah. And do you notice the Celtics did that too? They were trying to tank the Wizards game. I, they needed the Wizards to win, and all of their guys got hot. It's I mean I hate uh, it. I, I seriously like the last 15 or so games. I don't like it either. It really sucks. And after we do all NBA, we should do an all bullshit season first team of like looking at guys' stats. Because that's what happens too, is that people, like there will be somebody who's a respected NBA person that will be like, and look, I watched the Anthony Simon stuff, draft, you know, getting ready for it. Somebody would go, that's something to build on. Like, no, that game was fake. Yeah. You have all these fake game, fake results. I'll look at games and go, what do I want to watch tonight? And be like, I have three games right now where one team's almost up 40 and we're in the third quarter. Like what, what the hell is going I The end of the NBA regular season is brutal. I would say the second half of the NBA season for about eight teams, like earmuff Suns fans. Devin Booker, like, great. He's putting up stats. That team loses every night. He sucks defensively. He sucks. Good offensive player. Sucks defensively. Trey Young, worst defensive player, not only in the league this year, but he's in, like, the all-time conversation for one of the biggest sieves. Like, I feel like we could score on Trey Young. Now, maybe really post. good offensive player. Yeah. But and a great a, story. Like from where that story, story was, great comeback. Right. It's always great to point out like the but positives part of it. Let's but, not get carried yeah. away with like Trey Young, Colin Sexton, like putting up stats on bad teams and then giving up those same stats on the other end and the team's losing. Like, Sexton's stats. We, we were shouldn't be celebrating this. Awesome. Okay. So I think, I think the positive there though is you go, okay, Trey Young's gonna play for a long yeah. time. And we're he'll learn, work. he'll get better and at Sexton's, defense. Sexton's not gonna be this disastrous lottery pick. And you know what? It's gonna be pretty yeah. good. And it was a weird argument where vets and young guys and that whole thing. But the overall point here that fantasy stats are fantasy stats. Right. They don't translate to anything yet. It's this whole stretch, other than a couple of nice marquee games. Like it's great that we got that Milwaukee Philadelphia matchup. Like I felt like I could watch that and learn something. When it was Golden well, State and Thunder Denver, was great. Rocket that, Thunder that was right. the game of the week. And then you have 
you know, that Denver game that we were all excited about last week. And I knew, I just knew I'm like Golden State. I really, and here's the screwed up thing. I go, I expect Golden State to smash him. But if Denver wins, I'll probably still be stubborn Golden State guy and go, ah, whatever in the playoffs, it'll mean something different. But that was a reminder. Like that, that's why, that's why I watch these games is I like to pick out little things and go, this might mean something. 90% of what I've just watched to end the season means nothing. Yeah, I agree. And it's, people can say, oh, the schedule's too long. I think the same thing would happen if you went to 70 games because then guys would kind of look at where their playoff seating was and the whole thing that they start taking a lot. Like, and it's only getting worse. And I honestly, like as much as I love this league and the whole thing, it's kind of a, it can be kind of a sucky partnership at it a little bit. Cause like- That's the, why this, you're, you're describing why this season should be 70 games in that 82. Are you sure though that this isn't what would happen if you just had a shorter season? And I like credit to Sober for trying to figure it out, but it just- Part of it kind of makes me laugh a little bit. And it's always in the moment. We're always selfish deep down. But the selfishness of the player who likes the extra cap space and the money, the coach who likes all that stuff, but then they act like, well, whatever. Like, my goal is my team. Screw you guys. And I'm sitting at home watching four or five games that I have no interest in. Uh, I didn't even uh, I didn't even watch basketball last night other than the second half of Ralph Lawler. That's pretty cool. I Shout went to a to- screening. Oh, you did? I was just like, fuck this. These games are all going to be awful. And, and I don't know. I don't blame you. I just was home. I, I was, was just typing like, out stuff for the podcast. No, I was just, normally I'm like game 82. I'm, in, I'm, I'm, I'm there. Shout out to Lawler, by the way. Lawler's so. unbelievable. The guy's 130 years old. He's still cranking it. That's so old too. Yeah, he's really old. Uh, so I had Jokic third, Lillard fourth. And uh, one thing on Lillard that I wanted to mention really fast. And this is the Lillard versus Curry debate. So Curry was 28, 5, and 5. Dame was 26, 5, and 7. Basically dead even. Uh, Curry was 47, 44, 92 splits. Dame was 45, 37, 91. So Curry made seven more three-pointers per every hundred. Uh, All the PR was around the same. Dame had more win shares. Curry took more threes. Dame played, I think, 12 more games. Um, I think he's going to be second team all NBA, uh, all NBA, not first. But Dame's last four years, 26, 5, and 7. So let's give him second team all NBA for this year. A first, two seconds, and a third last four years. So kind of like he's building a case now. Like he's definitely a Hall of Famer. Um, now, whether that means anything anymore in this day and age of the Hall of Fame, I don't know. But like definitely one of the one of the best 10 to 11 players of the decade, I think. Yeah, for a guy that has probably spent a good chunk of his career feeling like I'm overlooked, under, all the yeah, time. overlooked, I mean, underappreciated. Had, now, granted, every top star in his league has had some sort of ad campaign built around how he's overlooked, and there's too many haters out there. But Lillard had always felt kind of right. I'm like, well, what do you want me to do? You want me to put you ahead of Curry? Well, I'm not going to do that. Like, you want me to put you ahead against Harden with these put insane him Kyrie, numbers? Though. I'll never put Kyrie over Lillard. Yeah. Ever. Also, like. Not to sound corny, I probably but did at some point, but I was wrong. Has embraced Rip City. Feels like somebody who would actually like start. It sounds anti-Kyrie more than start it finish his career there. <laughs> <laughs> I just like him. I like Lillard, and uh, and I think what he. I think it's important, and I I think the same goes for Westbrook. When your best guy wants to be there, embraces the situation, and just gives a shit every night. Westbrook, you can we can pick him apart a million ways. That guy fucking gives a shit. And he's actually become a little underrated now. And that's why I have him for second team on be over Kyrie because for exactly the reasons like that Rockets game where 
They're down four, and I'm scared that he has the ball. He's a 30% three-point shooter. I still feel like he's going to make it. If there's some rebound, he's going to be the you one that goes. You thought Westbrook was going to make it? I really did. I was scared. I had money on, on Houston. I was like, fuck, Westbrook's going to make one of those dumb threes. But there's a loose ball or a rebound. He's getting his hand on it. That dude, like, we kind of underrate Russ now. With the MVP, no, was no, ludicrous. We don't. we don't. We don't underrate no, Russ. No, we underrate his competitiveness no, we and don't, what that means day to day. Because every one of us is afraid that once we go, start going down that road of criticizing Westbrook, it's as if we, we have to do these qualifiers with him. Yes, he plays harder than any star I've, I think I've ever seen. He really I think does. that matters. It, no, and it does matter. It does matter. But the parts of it's where where it's like I look back on it and think, you know, how dumb were we thinking he was going to leave OKC? He loves the situation. He ha- that yeah. whole thing is greased for him. Okay, yeah. you have to let him get re- the rebound. You have to, you have to understand that you're boxing out I'm not for him to get that. the rebounds. And when he's not a stat chaser, he's the biggest stat chaser in the game. And I don't care that you're chasing stats, but stop acting like you don't. And what I'm what's pissing me off Great the point. most about Westbrook is he's doing this. This, look, he's always been a confrontational guy, but now it's unnecessarily confrontational and yeah. it becomes selfish. Game 82, I'm watching them against the Bucks. okay? Sterling Brown had the audacity to come out and defend him straight up. It was yeah. just like, you know what? Look, like it's still, it's still a game still here. still a basketball game like, with fans. I'm, I'm, I'm Sterling Brown. Yeah. Like, I thought I had a game winner against the Hawks. <laughs> and I'm going to defend you. Russ went right into him and initiated all of it. And Russ is the one that fell down and like Sterling kind of bumped him and then Russ got up into him and Sterling Brown's like, what are you doing, man? Yeah. And then Russ turns to him like he insulted his family. And honestly, I'm fucking sick of it. <laughs> I'm so sick of it because he does it. Look, when he went at Jokic, I actually didn't really blame him because Jokic looked like he tried to trip him. And then Westbrook just body checked him and knocked him down. That, the Embiid Did you one, see the PG, PJ Tucker thing this week? Uh, saying PJ Tucker set a hard yeah, screen yeah, on yeah, him, yeah. and then Westbrook went and got him back and technicals and. But that one, that one's okay on the hard screen stuff. Like if I don't want a guy to screen me, like I like yeah. it when guys go, "All right, I'm going to make you think about it the next time you want to set a screen." Marcus Smart does that too. When Embiid tried to not kill him yeah. in that thing a couple months ago, and then he gets up. So yeah, that part of it, there's a toughness and there's an edge and, and all those things. Like I'm all for all of that stuff, but with him, I'm sick of it. I actually agree with you. I I concede all those points. I second think he'd be really I frustrated. Have him, I have him on the second team, you know? I think he'd be really frustrated to play with. You think? And yet, the guy's a fucking warrior. And not not saying, not taking that away from him. It's, that, he, is, he is the most, it's like that thing I wrote all those years ago about the 90-10 guys with the 90% you like and the 10% you don't like. And he's got his way higher than 10%. His 10% feels like 50, but. No, the 90-10 thing is is one of the smartest things you ever did. Because like, let's not focus on the 10. Like I started doing that. Remember when LeBron had that stretch for a few years where he's the most over-exaggerated, every, every contact thing. Like, and honestly, yeah. it became too tiring as he got older to c- keep the act up. Yeah. So he just stopped doing it. Right. You know, it's like, this is exhausting, embellishing every little physical contact that you have. But then you go, am I really going to let that bother me so much that I'm not going to enjoy it? So yes, I enjoy the warrior thing. I do, I do. But every confrontation, to then act so like, how dare you? How I dare you just, try to block I my think shit? that's just the attitude that he... So it doesn't adopted. You. No, it does bother me, but I think that's just part of who he is. Like that's how he gets fired up and gets in whatever weird zone he gets into. My fifth choice for MVP, do you think I'd pick Paul George or Steph Curry? 
Uh, I think you're going to pick Steph because of Paul falling off a little bit. I pick Paul George. Ah, I know you so well. What happened to your anti? You had Steph like three at one point, just not enough games. I I rewarded him with first team Olympia. I really like what Paul George did this season. I was thinking because he made the biggest shot in that Houston game on Tuesday, but it got me thinking like how many times I had watched over the season where they pulled a game out of their ass because of something he did in the last two minutes. I don't know what the number is, but it was at least 10 or 11. I think the Thunder were, were involved in more kind of fun ending games than probably any other team in the league this year. And he just rose to the occasion over and over again, not to mention the defense and I think Denver had a lot of those games. Denver had a lot of those games too. Yeah, I agree. Uh, So anyway, what uh, would you have for, who would have been your third guy? For MVP? Yeah. Um, I still can't do Anthony Davis because he played. (laughs) (laughs) There was was like that two or three months in where I'm like, do we understand how much better this guy became? Yeah. And it, it, this whole Anthony Davis thing has totally bummed me out. And by me the way, too. I feel like we're we like just, in a can minority. We just do this? Can we do this? Let's Give me your third Anthony. pick first. Jokic? I really don't think you can argue with Jokic now. Okay, good. So let me just do my top three because I. That's fine. I don't want to do the other ones because I probably uh, put Curry. I tweeted it. about the Davis thing yesterday where he, he's like, he had no regrets. He said, and no regrets. It's like, this didn't work out, but I would still, basically, I would still do this all over again. It's like, you just threw away a year of your career. Like, go go talk to Chris Webber and Penny Hardaway and all the people who thought they were invincible. Go talk to Dwight Howard, who thought he was going to be doing 20 and 15 for 15 years. Like, this goes fast. You don't throw away years in your prime for no reason. By the way, when we that did team the- could have been a playoff team. I've never realized, like I knew a lot of people listen to this, but it's astonishing to see how often something that we'll discuss then becomes like a talking point for a column oh, or something. Yeah, yeah. So like the Dwight Howard thing really picked up. Because yeah. I know, look, I know he's going to be a Hall of Famer. I know. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not arguing. I just, I wouldn't you do it. You just disagree with it. Yeah. The Anthony Davis thing, I think the t-shirt thing means a lot. I really do. Me too. Okay. So when you're on the last day. You're a fucking asshole if you do that. When you're walking around and you're you're wearing a t-shirt that says, that's all folks. And then you defend it by saying, I don't pick up my own clothes. (laughs) You're just a dumbass at that point. I actually think we got all the answers that we needed. Yeah. About him. Is that. I don't think, look, I know a little bit of, of the New Orleans thing, you know, cause I have a ton of friends that are down there and yeah. I'm going down there forever cause of the LSU thing more than anything in, in New Orleans, but I've never heard he's a bad guy ever. Everybody okay? says he's a good guy. And when you start looking at ages of guys, especially as we get older, you start realizing how young you are. But the difference is, is like when everybody says like, well, what were you like a 25 or a college kid does something wrong? I go, Hey, I, I get it. But the difference is, is no one cared what I was doing. Yeah. Okay. No, I wasn't on a Heisman watch list or I wasn't at 25. I wasn't supposedly the leader of a billion dollar company. Right. And, and that's unfortunately what you have to deal with when you're 25, even if you're not mature enough, you're not well, he's built his that own way. CEO. He said that on the shop. That's right. He's his own CEO. And that's the kind of stuff on the shop that bothers me when it's like, oh, see what happens. They turn on you. They turn on you. Be like, why do you think they turned on you for no reason? The yeah. city of New Orleans didn't wake up on Tuesday and go, hey, you know what we should do? Just shit all over Anthony Davis a ton for no reason. It was motivated by something. It was motivated by something that you have to take ownership of. And you I- would be my dream addition to the shop where everyone would talk for 20 minutes and then the camera would just cut to you and you would just be like, really? 
<laughs> really? I'm telling you, I still think there's an SNL skit where they do the shop and then they introduce the white guy and be like, today's, this week's petrified white guy. <laughs> and then he just sits there and he just nods <laughs> and, he, and he starts, he just starts yeah, yelling you're your like. you CEO, Anthony. Right. Any of you guys sneaky think like DOC was a better rapper than anybody from NWA? And then he just kind of nods. I, I think it'd be a great skit. Uh, if you had been there for the Anthony Davis I would have lost my shit. Wouldn't you have been like, Anthony, why not wait till the end of the season? Why now? Why shit on the fans? You still had a chance to make the playoffs and you're getting paid $35 million a year or whatever you're making. Why not deal with this season first and then try to get out? Because they thought they had to go nuclear to get out. Like, that's the point that I've always to understood. To get out and go to, to the get out Lakers. Lakers. Right. They were like, look, we got to hit the button. We're going to make this nasty and we're going to do it. And the problem has always been, it's not just as easy as that when you're dealing with a team that sort of was for sale and now apparently isn't for sale. And if you want to buy the team and move it, you can't move it. Yeah. But I mean, there's all sorts of weird things going on with-, with Did you see Gentry's quote? Which one? Or he, he said, said he screwed it up? No, he said that trade request led to the most toxic outcome for two teams of anything he's seen in the league in the 31 years he's been in the league. He said it created the most quote. toxic situation for two teams that he's ever seen. And it's true. It destroyed the Lakers. I mean, it's 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 got a body count. And it also like, here, here's what I don't get if you're Davis. And I know it's like, you're your own CEO, Anthony. We get it. We get it. You're in charge of you. There's no loyalty to the players, so why should you have loyalty fans? I've heard all the rhetoric. Um, but you can't. It you don't matter be... that you played for those people for seven years yeah, and right. they went to your games and you lived in the city. And there's a way to leave that you can still leave and not have those people think you're an asshole, which is how this played out. It just seems avoidable. Because now if I live all... in New Orleans, I'm like, that guy's an asshole. I can't believe I rooted for him. Looking at it all, I think he's incredibly impressionable. Yeah. And I don't know how many voices he listens to, because I'll never think he's a bad guy. As bad as this has gone. You don't think he's a bad guy? I don't I, think he's a bad guy. I don't think he's an asshole. You don't think no. he's an asshole. But the I way he him, handled actually. this. I mean, I, I, I do too. I I, I, that's the thing. Him. The way he handled this made it seem like he was an asshole and he's not. And that's the frustrating thing. It's like, you didn't, this didn't have to play out this way. No. And- Who's when, in your life? When you're the famous guy who who thinks, you know, I can see LeBron saying, like, hey, man, when they turn on you. But looking back on it, it was bullshit the way the world reacted when LeBron just decided to go to become a member of the Miami Heat. You know, it kind of it kind of was. Like, I left it I free agency. We disagree on that one. What? Because he was supposed to what? Not do a TV show? No, because the way his season ended... How weird those last couple Celtics games were. Which were the weirdest with, games, right? We still unexplained. We still have no answer at all for what happened there. The way he took the jersey off, and it just seemed like he had one foot out the door that whole series, and then does the TV show, gives Cleveland no heads up, and just rams it right into them. I, I don't think that was defensible. I don't care. I'd, like, there's yeah, a the better way to thing, do that. But this is almost like your 90 he admits 10 theory. It now. Right. But this is almost like your 90 10 theory on the player. The, the actual transaction itself. Are you mad about the way he looked checked out against Boston? Okay. And he's always done this now. We've now seen since that 2010, like when he sees a situation that's that's not going his way, he removes himself from it. It's like if, if he there's were, like a subtle detachment. Right. Yeah. Like if he were at a high school party 
and he were a high school age kid. Yeah. And like he was friends with the star quarterback and they lost to the rivals. He'd stand at the other side of the party. Like, I just feel like that's kind of what he does. And he's done it with his Lakers team. Kobe, Kobe used to do it too. Right. So those Kobe guys had are, a lot of like, this isn't going well. I'm, I'm going down in flames and fuck everybody else. So back to that shop, the origin of that, I can see where LeBron and I could see him kind of getting to a path where he's right. Or I would agree with him being like, yeah, this is bullshit. Like once everybody turns on you and then this is what you have. But then when he tries to like spin that into Anthony Davis's story as if they're the same story and Davis is nodding going, yeah, yeah, you're right. You're just like, wait a minute. Like, no. So that was kind of the, you're just shaking your head at me. I, I just, I loved Anthony Davis last year. I really felt like he was the best power forward potentially of all time. And it's just hard for me to believe that he threw a season away. And I I can't emphasize, and maybe I'm sensitive to this because I spent three years of my life writing this book about everybody's careers and all the different ways a career can go wrong. I don't but think it's being sensitive. I think you, that's you putting it in a perspective that few do, which you, is cool you can't take years for granted. And same thing with championship windows. And I felt the same way, like going back, bringing up the Harden trade again. The thing that made me mad about the Harden trade is like, this doesn't happen. Like when you have these guys on this team, like you can't fuck this up and you don't know when it's going to end. You got to hold on to it. Um, I think the Celtics are in a situation now with all these assets they have where they're going to have to decide, do we go after AD? Do we keep Kyrie all this? It's like the window is like, do you just kind of go after it or do you just keep rolling over these assets? At some point, you just got to play the cards. And the craziest thing now, too, is we think we know who the GM is going to be in New Orleans, but we're still not sure. Like, what if what if they don't get an offer? What if they look at the Lakers package going, we don't know who any of these guys are right now. What if the Celtics say, you know what, we're actually not going to include a Tatum because we don't, we know we just lost Kyrie. We can't I lose said, you in a year. I like, said on it could get weird. I said on Mannix and I did a pod. I think the Lakers have the fourth best offer right now. I really do. I think the Clippers have the best offer out of anybody right now because they can do Gallinari, they can do Shea, they can do Harrell, and they can do that Miami 2021 pick. That trumps everybody, including the Celtics. Shea's the most important piece of all yeah. of that. If they put that on the table for Davis, like New Orleans has to do that. Mm. And if they get Kawhi God. and Davis and then you just figure out the rest, like you got to do that if you're the Clippers. That's the best offer for anybody to get. Get out. Gallinari and an expiring. You have Shea, who's a building block. Harrell, who's a really good above average center and a fucking awesome draft pick. Nobody's beating that. I just Celtics aren't beating that with like their crappy picks this year and Jason Tatum, who has, you know. Wait a minute. So you would take Shea over Tatum? Like you have him. No, higher. I would take that package over anything the Celtics could get. Because give. the Miami pick is going to be I would protected. Yeah, I would be like, here's the package you have to beat. You basically have to put Tatum and Brown in it, plus all those picks. Or I'm or we're not talking. And if the Knicks get like the second pick, I can't be. Look, as disappointed as I am with Tatum, I can't possibly be that off of him yet. Like, you seriously would well, rather have, like, if you. Anthony Davis, we thought he was going to be the best power forward ever last year. Like, he's still an amazing asset. But, like, the uh, the Knicks, you do the number two pick. You can do all those other draft picks they got from Dallas. Like, it's better than the Lakers pick. Who is the who is the Lakers trump card in their offer? No, that's what I, I just always look at the first. Like, what's the headline? Who's your blue chipper? They're, they're a blue chipper right now. And I've not always been an Ingram guy. But We have no he, idea when he's playing. We, we have no idea what's yeah, going on with him He can't be the blue right. chipper. Uh, let's take a break and we'll do all NBA and then playoffs. Let's talk about another one of our old friends, ZipRecruiter. As the NBA playoffs approach, having a healthy team can mean the difference between a championship run 
and an early exit. We're going to do the playoff uh, playoff picks a little bit later. We're going to be talking about the health of some of these teams. If you're taking Joel Embiid in the Sixers in round one, and it turns out he's not healthy, and now you have Boban playing 35 minutes a game, I don't know. Would you consider the Sixers understaffed or not? We're playing a lot of Boban. That's really depends on whether you're a Boban fan. Listen, don't get stuck understaffed at a crucial moment. Keep your roster strong all year with ZipRecruiter. Their powerful technology scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience for your job. Tech doesn't stop there. It even learns what kind of candidates you like, invites more to apply. So effective. 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site in just one day. My listeners can try it for free. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash BS. ZipRecruiter.com slash BS. ZipRecruiter is the smartest way to hire. Um, all right. All NBA. I have Giannis, George, Embiid, Curry, and Harden. I put Embiid first team all NBA over Jokic, even though he played like 13 less games. But I mean, Embiid was like 28 and 14 this season. And uh, and this is purely a performance thing. It doesn't have any, a valuable part in it. Um, I'm going to actually flip it on just the Jokic thing. Okay. Um, Sorry, I was 51-49. It's, it's really hard. And, you know, if you're doing the first team versus the MVP argument, I'm with you on kind of like buying into what what did you actually have to do. But even the analytics stuff for Jokic is in his favor, even though I know that defensively he's not. But, I, you know, I feel like Jokic is the kind of guy who was like could score even more if he wanted to. So, so I, um, I weighed that in. The, the defensive metrics for Embiid are out of control. Which is funny because sometimes I watch him and I feel like anybody can just take it to him and either get a, a foul or score on him. But his rim protection stats are out of control. There's so many They're times where I two to go bear. He's he's like he's got, and then his recovery, yeah, or his last, like oh, you thought you had a window there? No, you didn't. And it still matters that he's seven foot three, and if I'm playing guard on the other team and I'm driving to the basket, I'm thinking about him the whole time. I'm not thinking about Jokic. Uh, second team on NBA. I have Durant and Kawhi, Jokic, Lillard, and then I did Westbrook. And the reason is um, it just Kyrie was incredibly efficient. Like his stats are nuts 24, 5, and 7. He was almost a 50, 40, 90 guy, 24.3 PR, almost 60% true shooting. Um, Westbrook was 23, 11, and 11. 43, 29, 66% terrible for like what he normally does. Below 50% true shooting, only 21 PR. To me, it's like just an intensity competitiveness teammate thing. And that was really it. Um, I thought all the drama that the Celtics had this year, Kyrie was responsible for a lot of it. And I did not feel right about voting for him for a second team on NBA. And obviously he's on my favorite team. So it, I put some real thought into it, but I watched the whole season and the team was off the whole time. Look, I had them off all three teams and we did it the first time. Yeah. So uh, I'm with you on Lillard and Westbrook. Okay. And then third team, the biggest question for me was, uh, so I had Gobert. Well, like, we had Towns. He's out. The Gobert stats, I, I did deep dive and it's like Gobert's Utah winning. I decided I wasn't going to put anybody with a losing record on my three LNBA team, so I stuck with that. Um, Have you always done that? You have to contradict it sometimes, right? Yeah, but this year it was like 
some guys were close. It seemed easier um, to reward the winning guys like Gobert. I have Donovan Mitchell on my third team too. No kidding. Yeah. I thought the I thought his last fifty games were fantastic. You know, they're he's they like were, a legit crunch time guy now. They were twenty one and twenty one. Yeah, like I did a deep dive on the Go Bear stuff too. Yeah, and then I go their records since then. Like nobody ever talks about top it. five team. Yeah, and and Mitchell has been a legit closer for them, um, and really carries himself like a closer. And I don't feel like that's a great team. It's like Jay Crowder's out there in crunch time for other closers. No, it's terrible. Like I watch him sometimes, and I go, you know, what's funny. For Mitchell, is that because it's new and because it's so exciting and we like the personality and the yeah. sneakers and all this stuff. Just rooting for it. That, I was like, man, he. there's a lot of like Westbrook junk totally. in here. He's like where, poor man's Westbrook. Like, I, that was a terrible idea. Yeah. But he, he just drove into seven guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I started getting worried about it because I go, if more people were watching this, I mean, you know, start saying like, oh, you know, Mitchell, you know, because that's my whole point is like people turn the page on these guys so yeah. quickly and start focusing on all the different negative things about it. But he has no one else that he can do it with. And then you look at the record sustaining it. And then I did the Go Bear thing too, because Towns' numbers offensively have been so ridiculous since the All-Star break. And but I don't know. Those games are meaningless. I didn't understand the Go Bear assist, the screen assist numbers. Did you look into those? Yeah, all that. They're the in, rim protection. The, right. so, there's like five different numbers. That, damn it. I thought I was going to have them third and be like, hey, I'm putting Gobert on third and you would yeah, still have Towns. But I bumped him. once you t- turn that rule into it. So, so my big thing was to get LeBron off. I just couldn't do it. There's two guys ever who have played 55 games or less for a losing team and made All-NBA. One was Pete Maravich in 1978. I think everyone was on cocaine that year who was voting because it's ludicrous. It makes no sense. It's it's unconscionable. Um, I could not vote for LeBron. He didn't play enough games. The team didn't win. And the trade request by Davis, which was clearly driven by Rich Paul, who is LeBron's buddy. And LeBron basically detached the whole year. Never really seemed like he owned, I'm a Laker. These are my guys. Um, always had, like what we talked about earlier, just seemed like he was on the other corner of the room in the party. Um, and then the trade request and what it did to that team. I can't vote for him. I'm, I know he's going to make it anyway. I don't want my name on that. Sorry. So the question was Siakam or Aldridge? <laughs> I just went with LeBron. <laughs> I figured you would. Yeah, because I mean, once the the losing record thing, and I, and I get all those points, but look, I got He's Kyrie like twenty eight eight and eight. I got Kyrie back on there, third team. Yeah, it great. was just there was too much where I go all the things that I agree with you by watching them all the time. There, there wasn't. I statistically just, is right, incredible statistically if you look yeah. at it be like okay i can't, I can't keep also like probably the a top three closer this Go year Bear. i kept kemba 82 games no one can name their second leading scorer yeah i couldn't do it because uh, i i just felt like the east was so much worse than the west did you see those numbers which the, ones? the west like trounced the east this year so if you win 38 games in the east it's like winning 29 in the west so that's basically what charlotte was Charlotte was like a 29 team that got to play in the East. I, I don't know, man. I just, I, I'm a, I can't get off the Kemba thing. You can tell me I'm wrong. You can tell me that's that's ridiculous. I, I, I don't I, think there was a right answer for this one. Mitchell, Kemba, whatever. So Bradley Beal, I couldn't do. So Mitchell, you went over Beal and Kemba and Kemba, and you have him with Kyrie. So I picked Aldridge for the other forward spot, and it's a slate cheat because he played pretty much 80 percent of the time at center, but. I have no idea how San Antonio made the playoffs. Um, I'm not even sure they're that good either. They're not that good. 
I think they're very beatable in round one. And it was basically just him and DeRozan and a bunch of fucking role players. And they lost their point guard before the season. The guy who was going to play 35 minutes a game for them, Murray. Yeah. I and was they just threw in these other Murray. random, yeah, yeah, they threw in these other random dudes. It's like, all right, more Patty Mills. No, no, no Here's team some, makes me use Google more at the beginning of the year than San Antonio. It's like, ah, well, Bertons, you can't give them that. It's yeah. like, it's like, how can you leave Bertons? Yeah, it was like, what's going on? Uh, Aldridge really good. So I felt much better about giving him that spot than LeBron. So there we go. Um, Want to do some gossip before we do playoffs? Well, I think this would be a good transition oh, can we do, to do can the Can we do the all-disappointing team? The all-I'm-disappointed-in-you team. All right, well... Anthony Davis. Yeah. Ben Simmons. Definitely. I'm disappointed in Ben Simmons. Why aren't you better, Ben Simmons? Why isn't anything better is, is what I would... How are, you, how are you better a year ago? Because well, it was like, newer and you're like, oh my God, look at this guy. Like, what's how, he going to be? And then he doesn't improve. How is it in the last five minutes of a close game, it's like you're Ben Wallace offensively? What happened? You're just doing handoff screens? That's that's your game now? He's the exact, I, I, look, think about this, the perception, all that kind of stuff. He's the exact same player this year as he was last year. He's not better at anything? If anything, like he, all the he's efficiency more, stuff he's more fidgety panicky. Uh, he's he's 60% free throw, 56 last year. Uh, so he's a little better there. <laughs> I'm reaching here. But he, I looked at all the, all the advanced stuff. He's not, he's not any better. And that's the problem. Like the first year, we're willing to give you a collective pass of like, imagine what this, your first year when you're awesome and it's exciting and he's that yeah. big and he can handle and the vision, like the good parts about Ben Simmons are really, really fun. But when... We're having that moment where we're that excited about you. It's because we're trying to figure out what you're going to be in five years. And now it's like the Boston series knocked him back. Boston figured out how to play him. Yeah. Something happened and he really hasn't been the same since. And that's what's so funny about that series is after the fact, it's like Boston is missing all these guys. It's a first and second year guy leading them. Yeah. And it's like, well, Horford's always been great and Tatum's a top three pick. And, and people started like pointing at all the picks. Jalen Brown went third. You know, come on, guys. There's tons of talent on this team. And you're like, there's yeah. no way they should be beating Philly. Nah. If those two guys are as good as we think they are, they shouldn't beat Philly. No. So th those are my top two disappointments this year. I would also throw in, I just don't understand how LeBron played this year the way he did and why he was so detached the whole time. Why even sign with the Lakers? It never seemed like he was that fired up to be there, be on the team. I, I, I just don't, I still don't really understand it. Um, other disappointments I'm thinking off the top of my head. <sighs> That's really it. I don't need, I can't even get to five. I thought the league, I actually enjoyed the league this year in a lot of ways. I guess John Wall. Yeah, um, I don't even know that, that that was it's not hard to be disappointed, but it's just kind of a bummer that he's just been crossed off now as a fun Dwight basketball Howard. player. Yeah. I would the ship had sailed on him a while ago. Carmelo, maybe the fact that his career ended that way. I can't believe this is what happened. And watching all those guys he didn't even together, play the a game this year, crew. Yeah, like that's nuts. His career ended four months ago. We didn't even really fully realize it. Uh, do Lakers? Because I talked about the Lakers two days ago. What was your take on the whole thing? The press conference. Let's start there. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I have a little bit of an ego, and I don't even know that I've done anything that great. So I can't imagine <laughs> the ego I would have if I were Magic Johnson. Yeah. Magic Johnson has a massive ego and is much deserved. One of the ego tests that I've noticed, I picked it up on Summer League, is 
certain guys in Magic does it is they wait until the ball's tipped and they give it about 50 seconds a minute and then they decide to walk to their courtside seat once everyone's focused on Ooh. what's happening on the floor and Magic loves that move. And you know who started doing that after? LeBron. LeBron's mm. like, that move's sick. I'm yeah, going to start doing that. Great. Like, everybody gives you a standing ovation and you just take your courtside seat. So Magic's ego is a big part of this. And again, I'm not, I'm not acting like how does he... But for you to decide that, hey, everybody, it's a Tuesday night. I'm just around. I'm going to quit my job here. I'm not telling my boss. And, but I'm, I'm also not telling Who's Jeannie my sister, Buss. allegedly. Yeah. And it's obvious that there are things that he wanted to do, whether it's fire Luke Walton, get rid of Palenka, and that she said no to. And he's thinking, okay, so why do I have this job? Then that's fine. Like, if you want to bounce from it, and you're like, I don't need this. I'm Magic Johnson. But he needed to kind of assert some authority on the way out to like remind everybody. And I just found that so odd. The tweeting thing is stupid. Of course, he can send tweets if he wants to send tweets. The tampering thing, you know, they got beat up on that early on with the Paul George thing. He's a legendarily bad tweeter, which is the other funny part about the tweets. Yeah, that's what was really funny. Like the irony of, I I gotta get back to tweeting. (laughs) I remember. Anybody else excited for Game of Thrones? Wow. I so I worked with Magic that first year, and then he was away, and something happened. Like Dwight Howard got traded, or something happened, and he was away. And the person that ran his Twitter feed was away, and um, his guy Lon called me. He's like, "Hey, um, need we need you? Uh, need you to do a couple tweets on your account from Magic because Magic can't get into his account." This was summer 2013. So from your account, you're going to be quoting Magic. Yeah, I'm like, hey, right? Magic has some tweets. Yeah, all right. I'm like, God, this I, is amazing. I love Magic. So I'm like, with this. <laughs> well, I love, I love Magic. I still love them. Um, I'm like, absolutely. What? Are, so I'm thinking like, wow, these are going to be some bombshells. So he texts me the tweets and they're all like, good luck to Dwight Howard at his next stop. <laughs> And then uh, the Lakers will be good. And I'm just like, this is, he's on his vacation. These are the tweets that Gotta get this to, out. Gotta get the content out. pass out. out. It, it was like, they, it, there was, it was just hilarious. He was in the I content was, game. Then. Yeah. So he's going to be back in the content biz. And I like Magic. I mean, he's, he's arguably. The best. He's a great guy. You know, whenever you start doing the hierarchy of players and all these things, it'd be like, I feel like he somehow gets overlooked in all this stuff when we he's start talking about these great. One of the five best players of all time. Yeah. Nine years in the finals out of 12. Yeah. I mean, it's stupid. Best, but Best teammate ever. He, we knew when he got the gig. And, and here's the thing. Like when the Lakers can't get an, an audience with LaMarcus Aldridge, they go, okay, well, how do we fix this? It's a lot like how college football programs. Okay. We're in this lull. We went with the spread guy. Then we went with the guy who was the NFL background guy. You know what we need is we need a guy who gets us. We need a guy who gets us. Nebraska fans are convinced because they have Scott Frost that they're all going to figure it out because he's one of them and they can brace him. And a lot of times all it does is get you another year before you're fired. So when the Lakers are going, if we're the Lakers and we can't get an audience with these free agents, and some of these guys are like level B free agents, how do we solve it? Let's go back to what we know. We go star power. That's the whole deal. We need somebody who can right. walk into a room and own the room. And we have that instant credibility. Yep. So from that standpoint, like, yeah, Magic wasn't going to be out scouting all the time. I don't know how true or not true that thing is that their South Bay facility, they never even had an office there. Have you read that one? And well, then, it, like, you know, Woj started having the stuff come out the night of when it happened, yeah, where it was well, like, Woj was just unloading the, well, it had been known around the league that magic wasn't always easy to but, get in touch by with. By the way, like, but we knew these we things. We said this on the podcast four weeks ago, and people were like, fuck you guys, starting shit. We said it 
We said I, I was we, like, I Magic I, doesn't, he's not out there. He's not burning the candle on both ends. He has like three other jobs. Right, but then he had like a Michigan State hoodie on. So then people got pissed at us because he was at some of the tournament games. Or actually, I think he may have been at the game. We said, oh, I don't think he'd be it there. But I mean, the whole point was we already knew we were right about this. And I remember when he got the job, I did this segment where yeah. it wasn't even trashing him. It was just, what's the hire? Is Did you hire a grinder or did you hire a face that can be the closer? So if he's not, grinding. So Palenka was allegedly the grinder. But the problem with Palenka was if you're going to go agent and I'm all for anybody having an untraditional background, getting these gigs. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm never going to say, Oh, that's stupid. <clears throat> that guy doesn't have an experience when you're around it enough. You can kind of figure some stuff out, even if it's not the perfect entry into it. The problem for Palenka is it's just a lot of other agents, as much as the agents all kind of hate each other. It seemed like they sort of extra didn't like Palenka. Yeah. And I think that hurt them. I think he was the most disliked agent. So, you know, I heard Rick Buecher recently saying, you know, when Magic kicked D'Angelo Russell on the way out by saying, you know, we liked him as a player, but we needed a leader. I can go through the timeline of all the trades and tell you the things I thought were stupid. And I can tell you the things that aren't that everybody's acting like every single one of them was terrible. And like when you want to give, you know, Michael Beasley a few million, but you can't give it to Brooke Lopez. Like, what are you guys doing? Yeah. Or when... You know, KCP two years in a row when he's average. Yeah. And, you know, look, if that was about closing LeBron, but you know what? There's a pretty good chance you could have not paid KCP and LeBron was still going to come or here. Or backed anyway. out a year too after you got LeBron. That or, you know, okay, Randall, you want to clear the books because you want to have all this cap space that's open. That's fine. But then you're going to give Randall's money to Rondo. You know, so it, it felt like whatever the plan was is clear the decks, get everybody out of the way. We get LeBron and we add all these other pieces. Then it just was a mess. And the roster didn't make any sense. They had a million different rotations and all these different guys. Um, it just, I can't believe how bad it is day to day now that I live here and I see what a mess it is. Like, I can't believe this organization's ever won because I can, and I, I know I'm taking too long, so let me just finish this. No, it was, I'm enjoying it. I understand the reasoning behind a lot of the stuff that this Lakers organization has done, but- is anybody really surprised it's this much of a mess a year after this whole thing? With the roster that they signed after LeBron, knowing what Magic's role was or wasn't, what he was going to do, the Palenka relationships around the league? He he had a moment in his press conference when he was talking about D'Angelo Russell. Did you see that part? And he said, he was like, you know, you know, he's I'm really proud that the player that he's matured into, but he wasn't like that with us. He's pretty immature, whatever he said. This He's is like, the other, this isn't. This is right now. This was two days ago. Oh, he did that again? Two he days talked ago? about Russell. Right. But he was like, you know, I'm so proud. But when he was with us, you know, he's pretty immature, whatever he said. It was like, yeah, because he was 21 years old. Like, come on, Magic. You're surprised that D'Angelo Russell has matured into an all-star at age 22 or 23, whatever he is? Like, this is the league. You've been in the league for 40 years. Guys are immature and then they become mature and they get a work ethic and- I just said that was, I just okay, couldn't so, believe that. Yeah, so Buker actually had said in reference to that of, of the recent one, I, I thought it was the one before, where he was like, you know, guys around the league took notice. <clears throat> Maybe Buker was referencing, because I think he'd no, said he, it before. It was the he did it twice. When right. they traded him, he he kicked him. So people, like, do you really think players around the league were like, oh, man, I was this close to going to LA or thinking about it, but no. what he did to D'Angelo Russell? No way, no way. And honestly, dude, I, I'm telling you, like you watched D'Angelo Russell when you were out here this whole time. Like I liked him coming out of the draft, but then when I watched it, I go, this guy, he he's like, he's got the Westbrook approach 
without even half the game. And I, he, he evolved, like he became better, but they didn't, I don't know, man, when they traded him, I didn't, do you remember a bunch of people freaking out about them trading D'Angelo Russell? I think what they're doing there is actually unfair as much as there's a million things you can rip the Lakers for. The thing is if the Kuzma pick didn't work out and they had just taken some schmuck at 27, I, I think the fact that Kuzma worked out made that trade a little more palatable, but I, I'm never a fan of, of making a mistake and then giving up a major asset to fix the mistake because for the, the future of the hope of right. maybe something might happen. I mean, they created this cap space that they ended up using on KCP. So I feel like that trade is there a year later. You're still going to be able to trade D'Angelo Russell to get rid of Mozgov's contract a year from now because the Nets are still going to want to do a trade like that with you because you're giving them the number two pick in the draft from two years ago. So you still had enough hope for Russell that you were like, let's give it another year. And I just, I thought they, I thought they soured on him because of the Nick Young thing, not because of his talent. And the Nick Young thing was stupid and he was 19 when it happened. I don't, I don't think that's a good reason to give up on that's even That was even dumb for 19. Yeah. But. It was pretty dumb. <laughs> it wasn't great. And maybe they felt like they had to trade him and that he had just, you know, they had just, he had fucked up his LA thing beyond repair, but, um, I don't know. I don't. I, I. If I'm a team like Brooklyn, I'm always looking for trades like that. It's like, oh, you're going to give me a top three lottery pick? All I have to do is take this contract? Great. Yeah, Brooklyn did a great job figuring this thing out without really any assets. And the Mozgov deal, when you look back and you're like, hey, is there any... Are there any players that are basically going to go extinct in today's game that we can give 64 million bucks? Be like, yeah, I got a few for you. What's, um, uh, you oh, you got one more Lakers? I, I just, well, I think you have to ask this question throughout it all because it's kind of funny. We hadn't even brought it up. Where do you think LeBron's head is at right now? I thought it was weird that he went to Wade's final game over doing a press conference, but also tied into the way he's treated this whole season. Like he kind of works for the Lakers, but doesn't give a shit, right? I, I, yeah, I play for the Lakers. I'm not really a Laker. Oh, it's Wade's last game. That's more important. That's my family, Dwayne Wade. But um, no accountability at all. We never really heard from him on the magic thing at all. If you go back and read the quotes, and I, I wish I had thought of this when I did the pod the other night with Mannix. The, one of the like two, three biggest reasons he came here was because of magic. So I want to learn how to be a mogul. Who better to learn from than him? This guy's my mentor. And then Magic quits, barely mentions LeBron in the press conference, and LeBron doesn't say anything either. So what happened? I don't know. I don't know if Magic. That was weird. Yeah. I'm starting to think Magic didn't have anything to do with it. So that's you why. You think it was just happening anyway? Yeah. He was mm. coming here. And it sounds good and it, it's nice. Like, it's a really good quote to say all the things that you just said. I just wonder, as we went through the Lakers' assets, if they don't get Davis, and you can already sense it. Like, Jimmy Butler wasn't on the wish list. And I think about two months ago, I'd said something about it where it was like, hey, you know, Jimmy Butler wouldn't be a bad fit here. Because it's the reality is setting in here that you're not getting the Dwayne Wade-Bosch combo coming to, to fix this. And no. Le LeBron fixed those guys more than they fixed him. But also the but Clippers ready to completely upstage you this summer because it's a way better destination for everybody. Right, and I could totally see Kawhi going, you know what, I don't want to mess with that. I want to go to the Clippers side of it, okay? You, be, you mean when he already said that three months ago and then they all decided it was happening. <laughs> uh, you know, Kemba or, or Jimmy Butler and that kind of stuff. I just, I'm already kind of excited about where LeBron's head's going to be at in 2020. Where if he says, 
you know, people could sit there and say, hey, he only came out here for movies. It was all these different things. I just have a hard time believing that LeBron in his mid-30s is just going to be happy having this be the end of his basketball story. Well, you know what's funny? Part of the narrative was like, and Magic even said it, you know, we were we were forcing. And then you hear other people like, they were 20 and 14 before Magic got hurt. And it's like, yeah, you know why Magic got hurt? Well, LeBron. Uh, I'm sorry, Magic LeBron. definitely would have got Magic, hurt earlier. Yeah, Magic definitely got hurt. It's like, you know why LeBron got hurt? Because he's played 56,000 minutes already. And you're banking on this guy who's in year 17 of his career to have to play all 82 games for you to make the playoffs with no other all-stars on his team. That's why he got hurt. Like, this is what happens when you get old. You start getting hurt. It's like, oh man, if Kobe hadn't blown out his Achilles, it's like, yeah, he played 55,000 minutes and was playing 48 minutes over and over again and his Achilles blew out. Guess what? Not a coincidence. Right. There's a reason why Dirk makes fun of himself in the way. Yeah. What was his line where he said something about his retirement and he's like, I know you guys probably figured there was no way I was going to play again after watching me run around this year. Right. Because I knew there were moments this season. I hated it. So yeah. The- it was like Michael Jordan. Oh man, that Wizards come back. If, if only his knees had held up. It's like, <laughs> yeah, he played every single game for from 96 through 98. He played 310 games in three years. I always think- I think that was going to hurt his knees. Can we just do this? Because it, it should just be a yearly reminder. Um, that this will old be basketball players start getting hurt. No, no, that's that. This is good stuff, though. <laughs> no, really, it's like cut this up. Yeah, guess what? But whenever LeBron got hurt, can you imagine? I mean, I'm t- shit. Guys that play pickup take a few years off. It's the worst thing ever. Jordan quits the second time at 34. Doesn't play at 35, 36, 30. I know you already know all this stuff. Yeah, comes back, and whenever anybody says like, you know, there's a Wizards ending kind of tarnish it. No way. Oh, the it, Wizards it made it thing, better. It, it was it, amazing. It, like, not that you needed any more proof that yeah. Michael Jordan was the man, but that he came back and then was pissed about his 38-year-old season where he played 60 games. He plays 82. It scores 20 a game. Against, I mean, just, uh, in a really good year for the league where there's like a lot of good young players. He's going against Vince and Pierce and T-Mac. He's 39 years old. Yeah. He's like, fuck them kids. And he scores 20 a game and plays all 82. And he played 37 minutes a game. Yeah. And people want to act like that should tarnish his rep. Nah, this is amazing. I, I just think it should be said once a year. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, all right, let's take a break. We'll do playoffs. Let's take one more break and talk about some of the ringer stuff we have going on right now. I mentioned Talk the Thrones. That is going to premiere right after the actual Game of Thrones episode on HBO on Sunday night. You can watch the show with Mallory Rubin, Jace Concepcion, and Chris Ryan. Um, we have the best Game of Thrones content. I'm sorry. And this is the best post-game show. And uh, you can go to at Ringer and watch it. You can do hashtag Talk the Thrones. You can watch it there. Check that out. Rasil and I are coming back Sunday night. We are doing a, our pod, breaking down all of the uh, all the basketball weekend and even the little Masters as well. We also have the Ringer NBA show going that night, they're going to be do, reacting to everything they saw. And the Ringer NBA show is ramping up as we head into the playoffs. We're going to have some, we have some bells and whistles coming for you as well for that. And then Fairway Rolling with Joe House, if you love the Masters, check that out. Um, he's going to have a reaction podcast that night. The stuff he did this week was really good too. He gave out all his winners and all that. It's still time to get in on all that stuff and you can listen to his reaction pod. So hopefully Sunday night, early Monday morning, you have a lot of... Uh, lot of listening options. So check all of it out. TheRinger.com and The Ringer Podcast Network. 
couple more awards things just quick. Doncic over Young. We agree on that one, right? Trey Young's first 40 games were pretty abominable. Yeah, and the fact that it's even a question is a credit to Trey Young. Yeah. But it's Doncic. I Bagley is my third pick for for a rookie of the year. I you love never, Bagley. You never quit on him. And I and, and I never rewarded. never bought into Aiton. Uh, <laughs> coach of the year, I have Bud first, Mike Malone second, Doc Rivers third. Oh, I can't. I believe. really want to put Nate McMillan in there, but I didn't want to leave off Doc Rivers and have people think I'm still being addicted to Doc Rivers. It was a kind of amazing when they trade Tobias Harris and somehow still make the playoffs. Like that was kind of incredible. If you were doing the the Homer argument. You know, it was like those old radio segments yeah. where you'd have like seven different markets call in. Yeah. If you were doing this for three or four markets with the NBA, everybody's argument is really, really good. But I would go with Budenholzer. It's one of the first times we've had four great choices for coach of the year. I remember there was a cotton. Because Nate McMillan didn't even make my top three. And that team lost Oladipo 30 games in and still got a five seed. How great is the Nate McMillan thing? Because when he was with Seattle, I thought he was terrific. Portland. No, oh, yeah, yeah. And then, Seattle first. And then, he goes to Portland and you're like, this is great. And then he's off the grid. Yeah. And I'm thinking there was a stretch there where I thought like Nate was one of the best coaches in the NBA, but then all the analytics guys dumped all over him because of pace and all the things. That and the Rip City fans hated him too. And so when he comes back, it's like, oh, this is such a terrible choice. Like, look at his track record. Look at all the stuff. Look, this is how he wants the game played. It's outdated. None of this stuff is going to work. Uh, he was awesome this year. But I think the overall, when you look at the overall improvements of what the Bucks were, like, it's so stupid. Like, hey, we were 15th in the league this year. Now we're first. We were 28th in this. Now we're first. We were this, this, this. He limits the minutes, the system around um, I also Giannis. feel vindicated because we all watched them last year and we're like, wow, this team is so poorly coached. Why are they doing it this way? Why don't they do this? this? And then Budenholzer came in. Prunty had a different style. That's all. <laughs> yeah, he's an artist. <laughs> but uh, Coach Bud comes in and he's just like, what if we just surrounded Giannis with three-point shooters and played with pace and just created space for him all the time? I think that would work. Seriously, Bud was, you know, and the NFL is the only league I ever feel like you can go, Here, here's this roster. Be a transformative. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and we're bringing this coach and we're going to do things this way and, oh, wow, now we're actually good or we're competitive without a complete overhauling of the roster. I, I really, I think evidence, I don't think this is all that profound, to be honest with you. What Bud did is he did an NFL thing with an NBA team. Yeah, mm -hmm. you're right. Good call. Kyle liked that one. Some Belichickian. All right, playoff preview. We, we've we already gone so long, we're going to have to zip through some of this. I actually don't think it's really worth talking about the 1-8 and 2-7 matchups for that long, unless you have a strong opinion. It's Milwaukee-Detroit. I don't. The uh, the odds for Milwaukee-Detroit are going to be somewhere around you know, Milwaukee. The odds, unfortunately, aren't out yet for us, but they're, they're going to be prohibitive favorites. Blake Griffin's hurt. That series is actually a disaster. Yeah, the Blake part of that. It's really a bummer. Yeah. And I was just watching Andre Drummond finish up the season the other day. How do you think we would talk about him in like the mid to late 90s? Oh, we would have loved him. What if, what would what does Golden State do if if Detroit calls them and says, Drummond for Draymond right now? You have 10 minutes to decide. They'd be like, we don't need the 10 minutes. <laughs> I just don't think that would be. I mean, there's nowhere you can put Drummond. On, like Draymond is somebody you're not okay. you're not leaving. I'm just I'm trying yeah. to figure out if they wanted to move away from Draymond this last year, if it really goes badly in the postseason, what their options are. I never think it would be. I don't think they'd ever want to get away from what their system is. And even if Draymond is ignored as a perimeter guy, he can Draymond at least stand good. out there. I I think they would also hang up. But I just I was wanted to make sure. 
Uh, that's a bummer that that series played out that way. The other, uh, the two seven is Toronto, Orlando. They're two, two for the season. I actually like looking at the season series. And I think like there's certain times, especially last year, New Orleans, Portland, where New Orleans had had real success against Portland. And we had all kind of chosen to ignore that. The Raptors were 2-0 against Orlando when Kawhi played. I went and looked yeah, at all see, the that's, box scores. That's the thing. Because I I'd done that one before too. Toronto's really tricky whenever you're doing the season series because you got to think about who actually played out. Yeah, there. did Kawhi play or did he not? He play? missed 22 games. Um I all due respect to what Orlando did. Their record, you know, if you look at uh what was it like the last 30 games or something, they have one of the best like five or six records in the league. Um I just think Toronto's really good. I Toronto defense, chemistry, ball movement. Um, really good home crowd. When Kawhi plays, they're really good. And uh, I would be shocked if, I would say four or five, maybe Orlando wins game three. Maybe. I usually always think a team, even when they stink, you know, a team gets up 2-0 and they're like, these guys stink. We've got this. And then they mail it in in game three. Yeah. It's the first home game for the other team. They're way so, more energized. Yeah. Um, Golden State Clippers, it's funny. There's some there's some buzz about the Clips being a sleeper. I don't see it at all. I, I respect- What was the buzz? Where's this coming from? There's some buzz. There's some buzz on the Ringer NBA Slack. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think people feel like, oh, Lou Williams, uh, Gallinari, like the Clips, like they're under overachievers, could catch them by surprise. I think this series is going to be an absolute disaster because not only is Golden State going to kill them and has way more talent, and the Clips really are six and a half guys. Like you get, you start getting seven, eight, nine. You're talking about like Zubach and Wilson Chandler's corpse and all these people that just shouldn't be in a playoff series. But now game three, which is Thursday night next week in the in uh, in LA, is going to be have ten thousand Golden State Warriors fans. So they're actually better off playing in Golden State than they are at home, in my opinion. There's going to be so many Warriors fans at those. Clipper games and they're going to be really loud and the Warriors like that. They like when they're on the road with people rooting for them. Um, I think this is a sweep. I saw some projection. I was looking at some of the analytic stuff and it gave the Clippers an 11% chance. I couldn't believe it was that high. I think they're going to get swept. Sorry. there's There were matchups that were okay with the Clippers. This is not one of them. Uh, Denver-San Antonio. I I also don't think this is going to be a series. I you and I are aligned. I don't think San Antonio is very good. Um, I think Denver is actually, you know, there are teams that can beat him, but beat them. But this is a nice matchup for them. And Jokic, you know, you can play Aldridge at center, but Jokic against Aldridge is going to be a problem for the Spurs. The way he can, you know, you think of big centers as like these post up dudes, but the way they can use him twenty five feet from the basket is a problem for the Spurs. And I just think they're just more talent. Even though, you know, the Nuggets talent thing has always been the thing all season long where I'll watch them and I'll watch them on the good nights and I go, man, this team's so much fun and look at all these different guys. And then there's other nights, like whenever you get back to our rule of, do you forget about guys sometimes? Like the Nuggets feel like they have a bunch of guys who are like, oh, he's playing tonight or, oh, he's the guy oh. that's getting it going a little bit. Right. So, but that's always in the Nuggets in me comparing them to the top of the conference and not the bottom of it. There's some Spurs upset buzz that I don't see. It's because of the respect for the infrastructure and pop and the role guys. And well, if they split one, one, and now it goes back to San Antonio game three, that crowd will be crazy. Like I see all the arguments. I, I just. Right. And I also think too, when San Antonio goes on that massive road trip <clears throat> and it's one and eight and they're a disaster and then they come back and they, 
I don't know if it's saving their season, but whatever it was, it was incredible. And they beat some really good teams too during that stretch. So I don't so know. So Sal I, sent me the Sal sent me what the lock it in, what they thought the odds were going to be. These aren't official, but Denver was under three to one to win the series. They were minus two seventy, which I I'm stupefied by. I'd be shocked if they didn't win the series. I don't I I don't see it. Um so we talked about Houston blowing their chance to be the two seed. A friend of mine mentioned this today. I thought it was an amazing point. One of these four teams is going to be in the Western Conference Finals. There's no way it can't happen. Denver, San Antonio, Portland, Oklahoma City. One of those four teams will be in the Western Conference Finals. It's weird to think about it that way, but that's a fact. Because... Two seven and three six, they play each other. The winner plays the winner of one four. So out of those four, Denver, San Antonio, Portland, Oklahoma City, who would you bet your life on? Denver, Portland, San Antonio, Oklahoma City. One of those four will be in the Western Finals. I can't believe I'm saying this. You're going to say Oklahoma City. Yeah. If my life is depending on it and I'm like, who am I going down down in flames with if this doesn't work out? I'm picking Paul George and, and Russ. And I can't believe I'm doing that. I but know. I don't want to do I it. Don't, I would have done it a month ago. I'm not doing it with San Antonio. Uh, San Antonio's do, out. We're both yeah. cr- we're crossing them off. So now guess, we're down to Denver, Portland, Oklahoma City. Because here's the thing. I think Oklahoma City can beat Portland even if I don't love Oklahoma City right now. And that's not a knock against Portland. That's that's just recognizing reality here. Uh, so their season series. Oklahoma City should be so happy about what just happened at the end of at the end of this regular season. Do you know what so, their season series is? Uh, Oklahoma City and Portland? Yeah. Yeah, they're 4-0 against them. Not a good sign. You know what else? This is a bad Lillard matchup. Because Westbrook is Westbrook's a bad matchup for a couple of the finesse point guards just because of the just the pressure he puts and how just fucking strong he is. And Lillard will get his. Like I think he had 51 in one of the games this year. But if you're Westbrook, you're like, this is great. I'm gonna run a mock in this series. Yeah, that's the knock against all of the Lillard love that we have here. And and yeah, you know, when when Curry is off of the other really good point guard, it's because they have clay. A lot of times when Portland does it, it's because they just can't live with Lillard on some of these other guys. Now, and- Westbrook's going to either guard Lillard, but my guess would be that they'll throw all their uh, swingman dudes on him or Schroeder if he plays. I'm, I'm sure whatever they're going to do off the screen is they're going to keep two with Lillard and be like, fine. And the problem, too, is that like as much as the, the canter thing feels great against you know insurance against the thing that happened with Nurkic, Watching him get worked defensively in a playoff series is humiliating. Like do you know other, my do other you, teams are just like, oh, we get to do this. That's we should right. do a section on the pod where we do dad takes. My dad is so upset about the Enos Cantor thing that the Celtics didn't get him. Especially when uh my dad's got some takes. They had this la- this last roster spot and it was like, Hey, we've signed Daniel Roberts. <laughs> and my dad was like, Cantor was sitting there, we could have had him two months ago. He would have played. We could have posted them up. Um, <laughs> so here's my fear with OKC, uh, among with the fact that Russ has self-destructed in every single postseason that he's played in. 
fact. Yeah, this isn't new. This isn't new. Just every year, he's he's he ratches it up to a level that um, is uh, is just he's too frenetic. Think of it this way: it's John Calipari on the Kentucky sidelines, multiplied by twenty. If you gave a baby a Rubik's cube to solve, the baby would start eating it and drooling on it. Yeah. Other people may say like, okay, orange, you know, oh, wait a minute. I flip this around. The green stays here. I feel like Westbrook sometimes, the way he tries to figure out how to win a playoff game is like the baby that just starts eating the toy. Fair. No, that's fair. I'm gonna I'm gonna pick Denver there, even though I like <laughs> I like the matchup for Oklahoma City there. I'm oh, sorry. Like, yeah. No, I think the matchups, the matchups. Uh, so you like Denver to make the Western Finals. Let's play this out because we think Denver. So OKC, just for the record, that would be, that would be an upset from an odd standpoint. Because um, uh, then I'm picking basically Denver against Oklahoma City. So Denver in the 2-7 beats San Antonio. Oklahoma City. So your 2-3 matchup instead of Portland is your 2-6 matchup. So that means you get to pick Oklahoma City against Denver or, I don't know, the thing is, man, is it doesn't seem, it's kind of like when there was that weak window there for the Celtics where I go, okay, Pacers have finally fallen back to earth the way I thought they would. And Milwaukee has all these injuries, but are they significant injuries? Man, could the Celtics end up back in the Eastern Conference Finals after thinking that they were this massive disappointment? And as much as I've been off of Oklahoma City, I've, as you and I have kind of talked them up the whole time, they get Portland. We get we know Denver. Paul George. Yeah. So we know the two best players in that series, um, their two best players in that series will perform really well. George and Westbrook. They play really well against Portland. Um, unless Paul George is hurt would be my one red flag. The other one is there's a, been a lot of Schroeder. And he's really up and down. The Atlanta, the one the Atlanta traded away. The one Atlanta traded away and was like, watch what happens. Yeah. And there's both sides. So you love him because he's fearless, but you also, he could shoot you out of a series because he's fearless. So that, that would worry me too. Adams is going to be a problem if he's even 90% healthy, which who the hell knows. I would say. Uh, Are you picking Denver or Oklahoma City? Oklahoma City. It feels like this Durant. I'm going to stay with Denver, but I, I already I already feel bad about saying that. It feels like uh, it would be the natural conclusion for Durant in the Western Conference would be to to have one last OKC Golden State full circle. Yeah, most back. of the season I thought that was going to be in the second round. Yeah, the OKC the four seed. God, this broke really weird here at the end. It really did, and, and in a way I didn't like because uh, you know, and then you have Houston, Utah. And I feel bad for Utah because I do feel like Utah is probably like one of the five or six best teams in the league. And I think they're going to lose in round one. I, I don't. So think about this too, right? I brought it up earlier. They were 21 two, and two, 21. Two and two in their series and Houston won the last two. So they, Utah was 21. So that means they've gone 29 and 11. Yeah. Which they did last year too. They got hot down the stretch last year. Um, hard place to play. We'll leave it at that. Maybe maybe not as hard as it was th three months ago. Now that they're actually policing their fan behavior a little bit, um, I still I can't get past the fact that Jay Crowder plays crunch time for them. Okay, but there are good or that versions Joe Ingles of Jay Crowder. Is so involved, 
Yeah, man. A little jingle juice. It's Hey, Maddie, give me a little of that jingle juice. It's a little bowler jack for you right in your face. <laughs> bowler jack. Put it this way. If Harden lost this series, <laughs> they take back the MVP. They take back the number two MVP. No, I just, I just don't see him going down in this series. But see, I just... There's I've so much stuff they can do before, with Gobert, too. If he goes down in this series, man, there just have to be sanctions passed. Like, you have to shave. Yeah. You have to sign with a via. So his historical doppelganger, doppelganger is uh, George Gervin 40 years ago. George Gervin had this five-year stretch, much like Harden, 30 points a game, best, two guard, best scoring two guard in the league, all this stuff. They were always around the fringes, and he could never get over the hump. They never made the finals. Came super close. Blew a 3-1 lead to the Bullets in 79. Up late, up eight, two and a half minutes left in game seven. George disappeared. Then they we didn't score in the last couple minutes. Bobby Dandridge takes over, wins it. And when I was doing my book, that was like the biggest black mark on his resume. It was like, you, this was the year in 79. You could have been the guy. You could have won the title and it would have been like a George Gervin frenzy. Um, Harden obviously is not as anonymous as George Gervin was 40 years ago. George Gervin 40 years ago, he was on TV once a year, came through your town once a year. Like I never saw George Gervin. Harden's on every day. But there's guys like this every generation that Iverson was like this, but he actually did get to a finals one Alex year. English. <laughs> Alex English. No, but, but I'm just trying to think of like- Not thinking guys, scoring guards. Guys that scored. All right, Gu- right, I'm talking right. guards. Though. Guards, okay. I, I guess I'm just thinking of like, hey, you know who's pretty good? That perennial guy that's in that town and it doesn't really, like the George Gervin thing for me, that's a little before uh, my time, but- So Kobe uh, last decade was this guy, but actually did make the finals three years in a row and one, two of them. But can you ever imagine a world where your kids in 20 years are going, hey, I saw a poster of this guy Harden at the yeah. rec center. Like he, it was this Nike poster. Yeah. It, was, it seemed really cool. Yeah, he had a cane. There was next to this guy, Moses. He had a cane. I was telling somebody recently, so Gerben was in Boston once a year. CBS showed no games at all and was tape delaying games and not showing stuff. And so somebody like me living in Boston who loved George Gerben probably saw him total of like five hours a year. No internet. Just was watching his box scores like, ooh, Gerben had 47 last night. But it's it's the... Just a box score where it has the rebounds and the field goals made. <laughs> so it's like 14 field goals made, nine rebounds, 47 points. Dad, like, what's his I wonder what else happened. There's no sports center. <laughs> no idea what happened. Um, but now it's a different generation. But same kind of thing. Like, can you win if your best player is a scoring guard? History says, other than Michael Jordan, not really. That it, it rears its ugly head in the end. So you're not counting Kobe's second two titles as the best player, as he a scoring guard? Gasol and Odom, like those teams are really good. Well, the Gasol Bynum, thing. Yeah, but still, I mean, come on. It those wasn't teams like, are, for, for that generation where you look at every team really only had like two or three good guys, that team was pretty loaded. Now we would think they were just another team. Like they, every team has four really good guys now, except for Denver. At all the contenders. This sounds like you're picking Utah. No, I, I don't have, I can't do it. I want to so bad. I wanted to, but I, the Houston winning those last two and some of the tricks they have, I, I really think Harden's great. I don't see him going down to Utah in round one. I really don't. And if anything, so I didn't tell you this. I bet on Houston a couple of days ago, eight to one to win the title. You didn't tell me this. And this was when I thought they were going to be the two seed, but Here's the thing. They're going to have to play Golden State anyway. 
Would you rather have them round two or round three? I think I would rather have them round two because I know I'm going to have Chris Paul healthy. Then get out of this Utah series in five or six and I can keep everyone intact. I would rather take my swing early before Chris Paul has his annual injury. You really think that this could be a five-game series against the Jazz? I don't. I'm saying I I would want to get out in five. I think it'll be six or seven. What would you say over? So if I give you over under six and a half games, would you go over under? I think it's a seven-game series. Okay. Because I really think that... I like I like Rockets and six would be my pick. There are... I, I, I'm just really excited to see how Gobert is going to have to handle this. Like, how much are they going to let him show? How much are they going to say, you know, we're, we're okay with you trying to figure it out and play in between yeah. on the Capella dives and you staying up? I mean, they can't. They can't have him getting his switches against Harden. That's going to wear his ass out. He's going to get a ton of fouls on him. But you know what's going to be the, my favorite thing about this series, other than how the how Gobert is kind of how that plays out, is I think Chris Paul is going to have to guard Donovan Mitchell at the end of these games. Now, there's a world in which maybe Austin Rivers plays crunch time and he guards Donovan Mitchell. And I, I still, I've always stood by Austin Rivers as a defensive guy. I think he's a good defensive player, but. I want to know how they guard Donovan Mitchell in any of these games and whether Chris Paul wants to take that on or not and whether at this point in his career, because five years ago, he's like, I got this, stay out of my way. I don't know if he's that guy anymore. No, but the good thing about that for Houston is that there's always going to be a guy, whether it's Crowder, but they, Ingles is involved in a lot of the stuff they do. But you can probably but they find they break somebody, down. The can, last couple right. of minutes, they break down and it's just iso ball with Donovan Mitchell. You can find somebody to hide a guy on. You can totally, like, if that's what you're trying but to do. But could Chris Paul do the thing that he, he used goes, to do I, in these series where he's like, not only am I guarding him, I'm fucking with this guy the whole game. I'm going to I'm gonna be really physical with him early and they're going to stop calling In a first-round series? <laughs> Probably. He, he, maybe. Yeah. He, this is when he shines. First Paul, first round Chris Paul. Uh, Boston, Indiana on the other side. I just, the, the Indiana is just limping to the finish line. And... Here's my hot take on Marcus Smart, who you know I love. This Boston team was always kind of an injury away from figuring out their rotation. And I think this weirdly solves a couple problems. They don't need him for this series anyway. To solve some issues with now Hayward can play 34 minutes a game. And now Tatum is in the 30s with minutes. Now Jalen can play 30s. And Terry Rozier can get his 25. All these guys will be playing the right amount of minutes now. And for this series, that's a good thing. I don't see any world where the Pacers, they, they can't, as bad as the Boston thing has been at times, there's no way they're losing this series. Well, there's a, the real problem with the series for them. Kyrie, they, they just have no answer. Like he's owned Darren Collison his entire career. And so now you're going to have to play Corey Joseph and Aaron Holiday on him. Like there's no answer for him. And Kyrie's going to be in playoff mode. And I actually think this could be Celts in five. And the thing is the Pacers, even after the Oladipo thing of like why it ever happened, when you watch him a little bit, you'd be like, you know, Sabonis is a really good player. He's going to be a good player for a long time. And he's a problem for the Celtics. Yeah, Bogdanovich had moments. Um, Turner, who I think at some point you were like a little disappointed in. Yeah. Kind of like that Ben Simmons thing. We're like, wait a minute, I kind of started to like you. Like, why aren't you better? What are you I, good at? I like him more now. Me I, too. Thought, I thought he's been better. But this isn't, this is one of those things where it feels more like it's a 1-8 based on who the teams are at the end of the season. And I think the Celtics were really good with this the 4-5 matchup. 
it's tough to win in the playoffs with below average guards. And they have Darren Collison and Corey Joseph, unfortunately. Um, I think, you know, I was. Oh, I don't think you have a chance anymore with those guys. It's just not not even specifically them, but like if you don't have the same case with San Antonio, it's like you have below average guards. Yeah. At some point, this is going to matter. So that brings us to the last series we have not talked about. Talk me out of me wanting to bet on Brooklyn because I. You've been on this for months. I think this is a great matchup for them. And by the way, there's been signs of a carrot Levert Levertisance <laughs> the last couple of weeks. Karis Karis Levert Levertisance. Uh, he's show, he's shown flashes. There's Russell no way. at the end of games. There's no way. There's Embiid, no way. Embiid with with like a legitimate knee injury. It seems like that he's. They don't know well, if he's okay, going to play right, or well, not. That's that's different. He that's might different. not play game one. No, What's but see, the, I always name? get worried. I always get worried. Is this, is this the calm down? He's not that bad, or we'll just tell everybody it's not a big deal. It's a game one, and and with Embiid, I always worried about it. I'm always worried about it. But he's missed three seasons because of knee injuries. Have you seen like the good versions of Philly? Yeah, it still includes somebody sucking out of the group. Like I think I really figured this out a month ago. I go, we got to stop hoping it's all perfect. The balance on paper they have is historic. I don't know. There's. I think the number I saw the other day was there's no team that's ever had 17 points or more for five different guys, and that's what they have. It's, I don't want that in the playoffs. But it doesn't seem like that's what they have. And and what it is is it means some guys go off and then other other guys don't. They don't need all those guys. They don't need all. There's no way. No way. I'm sorry. Like for all the times where I think Philly looks screwed up. What if is what if Embiid is not healthy in this series? Then Simmons is going to play better. Are we sure? Yeah. I think Simmons and Embiid, unfortunately, is... All right, you're making great points. Here's my counter, and it's not even rational. This Philly team seems like it's dying to roll over to somebody. (laughs) And this is... I I know I was going to end up on some Sixers block. No doubt. I mean, it's definitely going to be him. First of all, they only won 50 games. That's one of the most dramatic underachievements that we've had. They got a full Embiid season. They traded for Jimmy Butler 20 games into the season. They got Harris at the All-Star break. Um, why was this team basically 500 down the that, for the last 30 games? They were like 16 and 14 for the last 30 games. And when I watched them, it felt like they, they were already an on-off switch team, like they had won three titles. Butler just comes in and out. He's trying one quarter. He's completely disappeared another quarter. I don't trust their coach at all. I don't think they trust their coach either. I, I just, there's no real evidence that he's a good coach. I'm not saying he's a terrible coach. There's no evidence he's a really good coach. The Simmons thing is bizarre, especially at the end of these games. And if you're telling me it's game two and they're down one, three minutes left and Russell's feeling it, I, I just want to see how it plays out. I also don't think they have anyone on their team to guard the Kyrie types. Now, whether they, whether Butler can shut down Russell, I don't know. And whenever I try to look at the season series here, it's split. It's too, it's, it's too, too weird. Yeah. But it's, it's, I mean, they've played one game since December 12th. They're two and, and one against him with ago. Butler. Right. Yeah. Um, but I, that's the thing is like, sometimes the seasons are like, when did you guys play each other? Like I was looking at a Utah one the other day. I'm like, Oh wow, that's impressive. And I go, okay. So the fourth game was January. So what, what am I actually looking at here? So every year there's always a series where we're like, wow, I can't believe that happened. 
So what's our best bet for that? Yeah, you have eight? to. I mean, out of these eight, what's shock. your best bet? Utah? And that's not so much about the four or five. That's the resurgence. That's the Harden, Harden. thing. Wow, Redemption. Harden's gone? That would Imagine be Imagine if he loses in the first round. Imagine if Philly loses in the first round. What's worse? Boston, everybody's waiting for them to lose in the first round, including two-thirds of I'm Nate. just waiting for them to lose in the second round. Yeah, which yeah. will happen. So wait a minute, wait a minute. Let's do this, because this is a good, this would be huge for first take. Oh, for, <laughs> what would be a bigger like nuclear fallout first round exit? Harden losing to the Jazz or Philly losing to Brooklyn? Now, I know the easiest thing is to be like, hey, wait, wait a minute. Houston's a four or five. They're close enough in record. I Let's think not- Philly losing to Brooklyn is a bigger deal. Like there's no even there's no comp like the that, Harden yeah I keep thinking about Harden and the thing Utah's is Utah's good if like Harden it, goes off yeah Utah's better you love the Nets though nobody likes the Nets as much as you no I I don't I well, Brett's that. out immediately Brett's, Brett's fired. out immediately okay. and we talk there's a Butler's probably gone Butler's not even resigned they resign Harris and then they do they call everybody about Simmons would it be that because yeah there's some calls. But the claiming they're not taking the calls. Yeah. Hey, people. I don't know where that story's coming from. Hey, people call us. No, we can do about it. We're going to answer the phone if somebody calls us. Really, three cell phones. Um, I feel the same way about Philly that I do about Golden State and obviously Boston because this is the way people should feel. From a chemistry, competitiveness, um, makeup standpoint, if things go wrong, if things are going south, a basketball team can either come together or go the other way. And you saw last year with Golden State, again, in the Houston series, all the problems they'd had, all the up and down season they've had, game six, they're way down, game seven, they're way down, and they came together. And I don't know if the Warriors will do that this year. I think if there's a moment when it could go south, Sometimes a basketball team goes south. Here are some examples. 2014 Miami in the San Antonio series. Easily could have won the finals. They got punched a couple of times. Took a couple of haymakers. A couple of things didn't go their way. Down 18. All right. And it just kind of splintered and fell apart. 2010 Cavs. Um, last year, the Cavaliers against the Warriors series after the J.R. Smith game. Where it's just like, yeah. And it's splintered. And I honestly don't think the J.R. Smith thing, though, like had they won that game, I don't think that's a long series with Golden State and Cleveland. It might not, but you knew it was done yeah. at that point. LeBron played the greatest game I've ever seen anyone play in person in that game, and they still lost. And after that, you can't come back from that. Um, but Philly and Golden State specifically, I think if if you put enough pressure on them, I think they will splinter in these playoffs. Now, can somebody do that is the question. And it's probably not Brooklyn. It's definitely not the Clippers. But if they hit that same moment they hit a year ago, from what I've seen from a chemistry standpoint, I think they splinter. I'll tell you this, though. Going back to Golden State last year, there were already these weird, dysfunctional stories that I would hear about this team. Like how they did or didn't get along. Yeah. And it usually doesn't ever have anything to do with Clay or Steph. It's it's other guys. And it's... You know, I don't know about this team. I don't know about this team. I don't know about this team. And then the Houston thing, it's like, oh, here they go. And then they figure it out. And if Golden State has proven anything, is that that is an incredibly mentally tough group over this whole run. Like, I'm not talking being down 2-1 to Memphis and figuring out not guarding Tony Allen, but being down 3-1 to Oklahoma City and coming back. 
And I know nobody ever wants to give him credit for that because of what happened in the finals, and that's fine. But you've got to be really tough to be able to figure out how to do that. And then they did it again last year. And that's with the Durant version of it. There's nothing from Philly. Like, I have nothing to go on with Philly. And that's why I've been dismissive of Boston. Like, I'll, I'll give a team the benefit of the doubt of figuring it out, even though when it looks bad or I hear stuff that sounds like there's turmoil, when I know there's a track record of you getting past it before. True. And, and Philly doesn't and, have track record. And Philly has. And look, last year's the first real version of this Philly team. Okay. That's the, last year's the first version of it. But the case for Philly is basically Joel Embiid is one of the three best players in the league now if he's running all cylinders. And for three rounds, he could just go run amok, which I actually believed two weeks ago. But now that he's banged up, I kind of want him to be healthy because I want to see it. Like I actually, you know, the ascension that we want to see, we want to see that Giannis ascension. I also want to see it from Embiid a little bit. I thought we were going to see it. When he had that game against the Celtics in Philly, it really, for the first time, I was like, oh man, he might actually just do this for three rounds. He'd get to the playoffs doing this. Now I'm not as sure because I don't like any of the, any of the, buzz stuff and now there's been this backlash against him it's like he's like, he's fine this is bullshit people are making too big of a deal of this I don't know he played 64 65 games and we have no idea if he's healthy right and he's already just been hurt this year yeah. so that's any of the pushback on the Embiid like we're gonna have a more like it's just a more of a fragile thing with with him so the anybody, playoffs are right. fucking hard it's it's a 48-minute playoff game has a different level of intensity and physicality than a regular season game, period. And if you're doing this every two nights for six weeks, the first round is more spread out. But once you get to round two, you know, it's hard. It's a, He was gassed last year in that Boston series. Remember? Yeah. Fourth quarter, so he was like dragging. Um, Giannis will not be dragging. So I would say... I think Brooklyn is the best bet for a what-the-fuck upset. I think Oklahoma City is the best bet for a reasonable upset. I would not be shocked if Utah won. Other than that, I think it's chalk pretty easily. And I think Houston not getting the two-seed Tuesday night was the biggest moment of the season because there's such a dramatic difference between playing San Antonio round one, having home court in round two, and just being able to go into Golden State guns blazing versus, you know, now you're basically, you don't have home court the last three rounds. And if you look at the history of the finals, the one or two seeds win every year, every year. Um, it goes back to, I think the Rockets with Hakeem, the second season may have been the, maybe the last team other than the Knicks during the lockout year. Wait, like they, was that they, Rockets team? What were they, a six? They were like a four or five or six or something. The 99 Knicks during the lockout year, but for the most part, it's the one or the two seed, and that's how it goes. So um, I just remember how upset I was because of uh, Barkley. So stupid. Year. Oh, yeah. No, that um, was, um, I'm just, I'm just double So what's your finals so, now? I want to just double check what they were that year because I think it was. They might have been a six. Yeah, it was a six seed. Six seed? Six seed. Oh, Right as we're wrapping up the podcast, I have the odds. They finally came out. 76ers minus 700. Wow. Nets plus 500. I'm just saying. Uh, Raptors minus 1300. Magic plus 800. Nuggets minus 225. Spurs plus 190. What am I missing? Am I missing that's, something? That's going to be all this national doubt about Denver and San Antonio brand. The infrastructure. Yeah. So that's like a Patriots type thing. Yeah. Where it's like, 
Like yeah. what was there? There wasn't there a number we were talking about last week. Was it a tiger number or something ridiculous? And yeah. it was just like, well, God, those those odds are always different because they have to they have to set them for all the money that's going to come in. Celts minus six hundred, Pacers plus four fifty, Blazers plus one twenty, Thunder minus one forty. Thunder favored as a six seed. Wow. Uh, Pistons plus two hundred two thousand against the Bucks minus ten thousand, and then uh, <laughs> Rockets minus four hundred, Jazz plus three twenty. Those odds are a little skewed. The Jazz should be closer than that. Buying opportunity? I wouldn't, but that plus 320 is tasty. The best bet on that whole board is Brooklyn plus 500. Those odds are great. You wait it, you wait one game, Philly will win game one. I'm just so pumped that you have like this one, like when we do this on Sunday, right? We're doing this. And I'm gonna be Sunday. like, what the fuck was I thinking with Brooklyn? Well, I'm gonna be watching it with an entirely different level of anticipation why because just going to be riding out the simmons roller coaster on what that series is you have to bet brooklyn now i'm asking you to i'm telling you to it is and it is like the chemistry i'm not telling you you're like it's the chemistry finals though it's a team that has incredible chemistry and some talent and a better a coach and a better coach right. it's a coaching chemistry series and a fan base that'll be like so into it versus <laughs> this team that we don't know how injured a beat is Butler's got one foot out Look, the door. If Embiid's, Who the fuck Embiid's hurt, hurt. Has, has a right. classic upset feeling okay. to it. If Embiid's hurt, hurt, all that stuff's on the table. He's healthy. When you go, like, how many how many Sixers would you pick before you pick your first net? They had the best four guys in the series, maybe. So you'd pick Russell after Tobias Harris? No, I, I'd actually pick Russell third. I love Russell, but I'm a rational. Wait a minute, would you pick Russell over Simmons? We just spent all this chunk of this podcast talking about Simmons and now we're just magically placing him ahead of everybody because that's what we've been doing for such a long time. And then you watch him, you're like, wait a minute. For these playoffs? This is such a qualifier. You're going to take Russell second. <laughs> Are you taking Russell second after Embiid and then the rest of the Sixers? I think I would take Butler second, Russell third. Do we know it's Embiid over Jared Allen? <laughs> so can I do this caveat? Yeah. If Embiid, it turns out he's healthy, don't stay away, Nets, no bet. Wait a minute. I thought that was kind of your whole premise. It was chemistry. It was, it was, you even went I fan base with the Brooklyn up. Nets. It's by all the lined way. up for, uh, it's lined up. But if I Embiid's like healthy, Kustak better than Ally. I'm all in on him. I'm, I'm all in on healthy Embiid. If it's healthy Embiid, this shouldn't, if this, this shouldn't be a team, series. Right, if this is the team that all the Philly fans scream about all the time, then go smash the Nets. And yeah. then it's like, How okay. Beat the Nets. Beat the Nets. Beat the Nets. This is the J.J. Reddick commute series. Yeah, I, I got a phone call from somebody immediately. It was like, he bought one of our penthouses. I was like, great, I don't know him. We're Lives in friends. Brooklyn, travels to Philly, and then he'll the home the road games will be home games for him. Uh, the ringer's own, J.J. Reddick. Uh, so I would say most realistic upset Um Utah. Utah. And then I don't even feel like it's going to be that big of an upset. It's just going to be Harden could go 40, 15, and 10. And if he loses, it's going to be this, oh, I fell for it again thing. If you're a Rockets fan, you're most scared for Chris Paul's hamstring injury. That hasn't happened yet, right? (laughs) What are you, you're predicting a hamstring pull? No, you're just like, if I'm a Rockets fan, I'm just like, can I get through the next two months with Chris Paul? being on the floor playing 33 minutes a game. Do the Rockets have the widest variance of 
I can see him losing to Utah. Yeah. And winning the NBA title. I think them and Philly have the biggest, because I don't think Boston has any chance to win the title. I think Houston and Philly could at least make the finals. And if they're, it could come together for them in a real way. Who do you have in the finals? And then let's go. Uh, Warriors. And I picked the Raptors at the beginning of the season, which was weird. Mm. So, I'm so gonna Warriors, go, Raptors. I'm going to go Warriors, Raptors. I just want to do something different than everybody who was doing Golden State, Boston. So I was like, I'm, I don't even deserve credit for it. I'd go and stay Milwaukee. I want that one more than I want anything else. But there is a part of me that looks at the Raptors and how many of the guys they played. And I go, if they played everybody all season long, they're the one seed. And, I uh, I had Houston, Milwaukee two days ago. Are you serious? I really did. I told you, I bet the Rockets to win the title. No, I, that's but that's because you got the great odds on that. No, I really thought Houston was going to win the title. And now- that's that's a fucking gauntlet to do. You don't have game seven at home for three rounds in a row. That's that's really hard. You need one of the all-time great players to pull that off. Houston had Hakeem many years ago. Um, it's fucking hard. Just think what Portland... I mean, this, this is a great way to end this whole thing. Portland wanted Utah to and get away couldn't from get them. And couldn't... <laughs> Sacramento... And if like, you're Oklahoma no. City, you're like, yeah, wow, it, these guys wanted no part of us and we're getting them anyway. Yeah, we swept you in the regular season. Oh my God. You tried to tank. You couldn't pull that off. And you got us. And mm. you're hurt. So we won't have uh, no gym corner and no rereadables, all the gimmicks we used to do. But we'll do that Sunday night. We're coming back Sunday night, taping it late. So you will have that on your uh, in your podcast box on Monday morning. Sounds good. Ryan Rosillo, pleasure, as always. Uh, listen to you on Dual Threat and on uh, your ESPN pod as well. That's right. Dual Threat, we got part three and part four of the backup QB stories. Mm. Coming up, Trent Dilfer yeah. and Josh McCown. Great. Thanks. All right. Thanks to DAZN. Don't forget to sign up, create an account, download the DAZN app in the Apple or Android App Store. Start watching all their great content across nearly any of your devices, DA. ZN. Don't forget about Talk the Thrones this Sunday night on The Ringer on our Twitter feed or hashtag Talk the Thrones. Just go to at Ringer, whatever you want. Go to our YouTube channel, watch all the great Game of Thrones stuff that we put up, youtube.com slash Ringer. Don't forget about all the stuff we have coming Sunday night, not just Game of Thrones, but this podcast has come back late Sunday night, Ringer NBA show and Fairway Rolling with Joe House reacting to the Masters. And if you missed the rewatchables, we did Major League. And that was me and Rembert Brown. And it was a barrel of laughs. Really good one. Uh, Field of Dreams coming next week for, for the rewatchables as well. So enjoy the weekend. Enjoy all the great television. Enjoy all the great sports. And uh, we will see you on Sunday night.